No, sir, I won't. Don't make small trouble about nothing. You're going to make trouble, make it big. Get a big payoff for that. You hear? Yes, sir. See? Oscar season is upon us again. On March 10, 2024, is the 96th Academy Awards ceremony. And on Movie Night Extravaganza, we're taking the opportunity to watch and discuss many of the top contenders from now until then. First up, we're discussing Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Of course, the new Hollywood legend, our boy Marty, is getting up there in years. He is 81 and has recently been on somewhat of a self-reflection tour, talking about how he wants his legacy to be remembered and what he would change. And I knew it had to do with Native Americans. I've had some experience with it uh, in the early 70s and something that i uh, never forget, forgotten. And I knew that if I ever, ever dared venture into that uh, territory, so to speak, I had better be very careful and very respectful in terms of beyond respect is getting you would have to do that justice to who they are as best you can as an outsider one of the criticisms that he took to heart is that much of his filmmaking career has centered around stories about white men whether that's harvey keitel robert de niro leonardo dicaprio or that one time ray loyota as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster <laughs> Scorsese's best-remembered films are about the concept of toxic masculinity and the ways that swaggered masculinity can easily lead to the downfall of men. Scorsese's characters usually get away with acting with impunity and destroying the lives of the people around them until they don't. In Killers of the Flower Moon, Scorsese aimed to change that by telling the story of two white men played by Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio acting with extreme impunity and getting away with destroying the lives of the people around them until they don't. But the lives of the community that Ernest Burkhart and William King Hale destroyed for the lives of the Osage Nation in Osage County, Oklahoma in the 1920s. However, the Osage are not backgrounded here. And this is the story of Molly Burkhart, a full-blood Osage woman whose family is ripped apart, quite literally, by her husband and his uncle in order to get their hands and her money from an Osage oil claim. Lily Gladstone plays Molly. Gladstone is not Osage, but was raised on the Blackfeet Reservation. Gladstone's indigenous father is a descendant of the Kainite Chieftain Red Crow, a famous Blackfoot warrior. Her European mother is a descendant of the cousin of the British Prime Minister, William Gladstone, who ideologically shaped Victorian-era British politics. Like the time that I'm with the characters, the time that I'm with the other characters, when the camera's not rolling and we're in between, then I just, I need to take the character off and be Lily. I need to be silly if I'm doing drama. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. A big part of how I found Molly was in the community, and the community was on set with us. There were over 200 different tribal nations represented on set. I needed to experience that as Lily, and it was so important because that's what created the community, and that's what really drove the, the tragedy of it. But to Killers of the Flower Moon, let me back up here. In 1894, oil was discovered underneath the territory that was part of the Osage Reservation. Osage, or the people of the Middle Water, are a tribal nation who lived originally in the Ohio River Valley, but who moved west in the 17th century to the place where the Missouri and Mississippi rivers converge. As American settlers moved west in the 1800s, they were pushed into Indian territory in what would become Oklahoma. And in 1894, oil was discovered underneath the reservation, leading to the Osage technically becoming America's richest people per capita. As reservations were collective tribal property, everyone on the reservation technically received a claim to some of the oil money in exchange for leasing it through the Bureau of Indian Affairs. I say technically because there are a bunch of different ways that this money was actually kept from the native people who should have been allowed to have it. First of all, many of them were declared unfit, especially if they were full-blood Osage without any white ancestry, and were assigned a legal guardian, a non-Osage lawyer, politician, or businessman who would get paid from that money to act as a conservator. 
The claim, otherwise known as head rights, were kept in quarterly payments and usually given to these guardians to distribute to their charges at their leisure. They have to ask permission for their own money. The white men who lived in the area would try to marry into the Osage community, and many of them would attempt to murder their wives in order to get their claim. This is the scheme that was put into effect by political boss of the area, William King Hale, in order to try to consolidate as many of the claims as he could. It took, at least officially, 20 Osage murders, including all the family of Molly Kyle, who would be married to Hale's nephew, Ernest Burkhart. By a various and increasingly violent means, from slow poisoning to point-blank murder to murder attempted to be hidden as suicide, to finally get Calvin Coolidge's federal government to take it seriously. The murders by that point included Molly's sister Anna, mother Lizzie Q, cousin Charles Bighorn, sister Rita, who was killed in an explosion with her white husband, and Henry Roan, who Hale had described as his best friend. Coolidge dispatched the nascent BOI, later renamed to the FBI, who ended up catching William Hale and Ernest, although both would later be released from prison despite getting life sentences. This is one of the first major cases that brought the FBI, including the young director that Calvin Coolidge had appointed, J. Edgar Hoover, to national prominence. Tom White, the lead investigator, came to the county as a bureau investigator, while the rest of the team slipped in as undercover agents, including a Native American agent, who was able to get the confidence of the tribe. It's a story that made for great copy in newspapers and radio across America. Of course, William K. Hale and Ernest Burkhart were far from the only political group of racists vying for power in the 1920s. And after reestablishing itself in 1915, the Ku Klux Klan came rushing into Oklahoma in 1920. Simultaneously with the events depicted in Killers of the Flower Moon was the Tulsa Race Massacre. Tulsa's Greenwood District was known as Black Wall Street after the affluent black community that sprouted up there. In 1921, a racist mob of white supremacists burned down Tulsa and massacred 800 of its residents. William K. Hale saw the Ku Klux Klan as another competing source of political power. But the race massacre also gave Hale and Ernest the idea to blow up Ernest's sister-in-law's house. In 2017, David Gran, a true crime author, released the book Killers of the Flower Moon, where he speculated that the 20 murder count was an extreme underestimate, and the real death toll of the Reign of Terror was probably in the hundreds. Scorsese adapted David Grant's book to the screen with the screenwriter Eric Roth. However, Scorsese didn't like he and Roth's original screenplay because it foregrounded the BOI investigation by not telling the story of the Osage people. So Scorsese and Eric Roth went to the Osage community and had them consult and help them understand the human impact of these murders. I certainly feel like it's one of the most important films I've ever worked on. Marty's different ways and different films. He's sort of takes on the pathos of the story in a lot of ways. And in this movie, he looked me in the eyes, it was a quiet moment. He said, I feel this story in my bones. It's in, it's in me. I, I have to tell it right. And he literally locked himself up in Oklahoma for eight months and was obsessive about forensically getting to the truth of who these characters were. The original script was more of a procedural and as Scorsese has said about the original work, this shouldn't be a whodunit. It was more of a who didn't do it. One of the tribal leaders who helped with the process, former Osage tribal leader and Henry Rowan's great-grandson, Jim Gray, was initially concerned, as were many in the tribal nation, that a Hollywood movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro wouldn't capture the heart of the story, the Osage people. I was concerned about uh, someone else telling our story. But uh, when, when you came on board, you said, we're going to film here. You're going to use our uh, language department. You are going to work with our people who do costumes. There's no way I would have made it without the full support of the Osage community. Everybody was here. 
Where else can you shoot? Look at this place. It's perfect. They were won over by the final film, a three-hour and 20-minute-long cinematic experience that really does capture ceremonies, including a tribal wedding, customs, and reservation life. Seeing the Osage community as diverse, interesting, and proud, rather than just as the helpless victims of a white terror. Of course, the most terrifying and depraved part is that William King Hale, a truly greedy, psychopathic monster, knows the language, lives among them, builds up schools, community infrastructure, churches, and acts as a friend to the Osage, knowing more about their history and customs than anyone outside of the community itself. You know things are different now, right? You know, like, well, the Osage ain't, ain't gonna stand by you. No one's gonna stand by you no more. Osage, they love me. Oh, they're not gonna listen to you. I know. They know who gave them the streets, who gave them the hospitals, who gave them the schools. They know. Ernest, his deeply broken and backwards nephew, a violent, greedy man, also learns the language and marries Molly Kyle, even having children with her despite helping kill many members of her family and community. Well, I just love money. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I damn near love it as much as I love my wife. <laughs> a reason why the human representation of the Osage, rather than seeing them as faceless victims, in some cases quite literally faceless, is absolutely crucial here, is that their murderers do not view them as human. As one lawman in the film says, you're more likely to get in trouble for kicking a dog than killing an Indian. You got a better chance of convicting a guy for Kicking a dog and killing an Indian. However, William King Hale takes that even further, not viewing even the white men who helped him kill the Indians as human either. Even his own nephew, Ernest, is believed to have been the final planned victim, along with his kids, so that Hale could get all of the head rights of the Kyle Burkhardt estate. Robert De Niro does this role as his most diverse, since Scorsese directed him in Cape Fear. By that I mean he has a southern accent and is both evil and terrifying. Scorsese has directed Nero in 10 films, including The Irishman, Goodfellas, Raging Bull, Mean Streets, Casino, The King of Comedy, and Taxi Driver. He's directed Leonardo DiCaprio in six, including Wolf of Wall Street, Shutter Island, The Departed, The Aviator, and Gangs of New York. The other time Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio have been in the Scorsese movie together was a short film for the Studio City Resort called The Audition. De Niro's career is stalling quite a bit, and the plethora of bad roles he's had to make money coincided with DiCaprio's rise as one of the most diverse and interesting leading men in Hollywood. In 2019, Scorsese was able to get some of his most impressive former leading men like De Niro, Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, and Harvey Keitel together on screen for The Irishman. Perhaps the last quintessential Scorsese epic gangster film on the life and downfall of Jimmy Hoffa as told by Frank Sheeran who claims to have killed Hoffa. Killers of the Flower Moon is a far different type of film. One thing that's gotten explored and criticized is that this is but one slice of the tragic story of the Osage oil money. When Ernest and Hale get put away, it really is just a classic example of cutting off the head to save the body. No pun intended. Oil and gas companies have continued to exploit the Osage community, cheat them out of money, and eventually the Osage Reserve would be stolen by none other than the Koch brothers, who illegally tapped it as a basis for their fortune. In the early 2000s, a major lawsuit would be settled for $25 million, scraps of what the Kochs are worth, However, the $25 million settlement was not with the Osage or the other Native American tribes whose wells that the Cokes had stolen oil from, but to their brother, Bill Koch, who had blown the whistle after losing a secession-style boardroom coup. The Osage had to go back for a lengthy court trial to sure up their mineral rights later on, continuing the cycle of exploitation by both government and private business. William King Hale was a great villain, a political boss just as important important enough to make headlines, but not to truly jeopardize anything about the oil exploitation. The federal government and FBI would be able to point to the undercounted murder count, showing a huge success for the FBI-style 
undercover investigation, it wouldn't disrupt anything about the legal status of the incompetence claims or the way in which business was conducted. And the issues brought to the Osage community, to tribal communities across the United States, from oil dependence to diabetes to the way in which indigenous people are treated under the law, continue to afflict tribal communities across the country. It ain't officially for sale yet, but Bill Hale has seen to it for you. Be that sweetheart. This one. It's from a cow's pancreas. It'll come down to us once a week. Mm. Look at that. Wow. A cow's pancreas. In a microcosm of that, Molly Kyle died at age 50 of diabetes, even after surviving the poisoning by her husband and the events of Killers of the Flower Moon. It might be a, a public outcry for a while, but then you know what happens? People forget. They don't remember. They don't care. They just don't care. Tonight's show is brought to you by Yabiga. A Balkan Rockia spirit, go to yabiga.com to order a bottle tonight. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movienightextra. All of our after parties are on there forever. We also have a new Discord and a Letterboxd HQ account, so those are two more places to follow along with us. Links are in the description. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Bratonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. Christina Oaks is streaming on Twitch at Cosmopolitics, twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Also recently joined YouTube, she's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch, and send her a coffee. This month for the Oscars, Conan and Christina are co-producers. We will have both show and after-party content that they've produced, so follow along. You will also have Discord watch parties, so join the Discord. Link in description. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Gives of an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Karthik Purushabaman. He is a writer and poet with a poetry album coming soon. His work can be seen in publications like Jacobin, The Baffler, and The New Republic, and he has frequently co-hosted revolutionary tracks on Left Flank Vets. I, of course, am your host, Forrest Miller, who just loves money. I love money. <laughs> I love money almost as much as I love my wife. So please, send us a super chat. <laughs> well done. I feel like you need a round of applause for that intro. Jesus. It's almost as long <laughs> as the movie. <laughs> I, I, well done. I just... I just love money, you know? <laughs> hey, Karthik. Welcome back, man. Hey, can, you, can you guys hear me? Yes, yes we can. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing an echo. I'm just hoping that it's on my end only. Mm, it's not on your end, right? No. Yep. And you got echo okay. cancellation on, so that's good. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since you've been on, man. At least with me. Uh, it's been a, it's been a while since it's been on. Uh, I feel like I've been on any podcast, I feel like. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've been yeah. on any podcast in over a year. Oh wow! I think the last I think the last time you came on, we watched uh, Viva Zapata. Yeah, I was out on tour. I remember that, but yeah. And we just we right. just talked uh, about that. When we talked about uh, Lawrence of Arabia because we talked about yeah. um, nice. how both Anthony Quinn and originally Marlon Brando were supposed to be in Lawrence of Arabia, which is crazy, right? 
And John Wayne, too, which is that's the one that still blows my mind. Really? John Wayne? He wouldn't be afraid to do brown face. Let's be real here. <laughs> he did do a black face. He was, he, was he was supposed to be Lawrence, though. He would have had to. Yeah. I mean, sand face, but like from the dust. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. You can you can watch that now classic episode last week if you want more of that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Karthik, I, I'm glad to have you on here because you're you've been a pretty powerful advocate for Killers of the Flower Moon, and I we always like having folks on that dig the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's great to have you on. I found found your uh, your takes on to be very interesting. Um, so that said, uh, Karthik, like what do, what, do you, what do you think about Killers of the Flower Moon? You heard of this film, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like I I I wanted to start with this uh, kind of I slightly I guess like hot take because uh, my my observation is that the two long movies of the year, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer, are technically narrative structure wise the same movie, um, and mm. I felt like <laughs> the, the hot take is that one of them earns the length and one doesn't, <laughs> and like. The narrative well, look, when, structure when, uh, is based when Ernest, when Ernest built the first fucking atom bomb, you know what I mean? In the, uh, you know, in, in, in it the is. Tulsa, and in the they Tulsa both could time. use an intermission, just to be clear. But yeah, go ahead. I think, like, I think, I think my take is basically that uh, Ernest is, Burkhardt is very similar to Oppenheimer. They're basically both of them are the fall guy, technically, for uh, mm. the evil actor in both of those scenarios, which is like in the, in, in one case, it's the US government, and in the others, other it's the you know uh, De Niro character. Uh, the story no, builds up yeah. to a bomb Wait, and it's, an explosion. It's the, US government, it's the U.S. government in both cases because true, both true, yeah. both William King Hale and Ernest go down for this. I mean, they later get pardoned because nobody really cares if you kill like a Native American. Like yeah. even if you kill apparently fucking twenty Native Americans, even if you kill apparently like a hundred Native Americans, when it, they didn't yeah. investigate eighty of them. That's the one Shit, thing man. that made me mad is that they live just like they didn't investigate all those japanese people that got killed by the atom bomb that's what made me mad about looking into (laughs) like the backstory of this is that those two lived very 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 long lives but everyone's like miserable lives i'm like it still doesn't matter those two those two sons of bitches outlived molly which i I get a diabetes you know but it just makes me mad that you know she it's like the osage people have never really got justice they both got pardoned. I don't know. Their, yeah. their lives were not as miserable as if they had spent their lives in prison. Like, they got to go back and live yeah. somewhere. I mean, Ernest yeah. lived yeah. in a trailer kind of thing, maybe. But, like, they were still alive, both of them, in, like, the like 60s, in their 90s. 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the nature it, of, of the exploitation of Native people, though, is that, like, yeah. the bad guys always get away with it. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the way it is in this country. Most but I, I think it really, it really is the, uh, it's like the story of cutting off the head to save the body, right? Like, the, the worst two people, uh, kind of the, the easiest to put into prison kind of two people, right? Like the ones that were most, um, like most disposable or whatever, right? Like those two people ended up going to prison, whereas, uh, you know, the rest of the oil people just kept doing what they were doing. It's yeah, like extracting resources. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think of the narrative structure of like uh, the, the bomb being really central to both of them? Uh, there is an explosion that happens at like the, kind of two-thirds point of uh, Killers of the Flower Moon 2. And it's really startling as well. It's uh, The house blows up. Um, and it's kind of like a gas leak or something that they're trying to cover up uh, a murder as. And like, it's extremely horrifying. And it's the first time I think like we see... Well, they use uh, too much dynamite. They put... they uh, Assumably, they put so much fucking dynamite underneath the house that the house was just gone by the end of it. 
Yeah, and right, it, right. and it impacted some neighboring houses too. Like we saw, like the windows busted yeah. open. They did, they really didn't. Uh, they really underestimated just how dangerous, they, how many lives they could have put in danger because of that. Not just you know Rita and her husband. Which, by the way, putting this in, into context, dynamited houses were like a very common thing in the 1910s and 1920s. <laughs> and yes. no, in cities across America, yeah. to the point where in like 1919 or something, like a few years before this, uh, a, an anarchist like terrorist or whatever like blew up the attorney general's house, which is how we got the first Red Scare. Because uh, A. Mitchell Palmer, he got right. right to the door, though, and he tripped and blew up. And then so A. Mitchell Palmer <laughs> survived inside of the house and was like... I'm going to go after all these fucking leftists now. And like, that's how we got the Palmer raids. So like every city, like cities across America, we're just having like houses just suddenly blow up. See, it's funny when Wiley Coyote does it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, so it's like, but, but at the, at the same time, I think it like, it's, it's a revealing moment because the bomb is the first time, uh, even, even in Oppenheimer, when he's watching the, the explosion through the people kind of, uh, through the telescope, and uh, for the first time, he's seeing in his eyes, you can see the, you know, the power of the explosion. And in Burkhardt's case as well, for the first time, you're seeing how evil this fucker is. Like, mm, he, yeah. he's not just like, you know, he's not just dumb, you know. Yeah. Before or, then, or like, you're really kind of seeing that. Like, right. He's actually an asshole and he's just playing dumb in a kind of way. You see, it's convenient for him because it gets he gets to like, you know, shrug his shoulders and say, I was just like doing what this guy was. He had a ha- he had a hold on me. You know, I don't know. All right, so there, there's a long thing with uh, Leo not being sure. Ernest, I guess, was like the real guy was a little slow. Like he was a little mentally challenged. Right. So there was this, there, I, I was watching these interviews where Leo's talking about like, because there's not that much information about Ernest as like a guy. Like there's information yeah. about their relationship, but there's not that much information about Ernest like as a, as a man, right? Like, because he's not someone that like was that known by the Osage people either. You know what I mean? So he's just kind of a drifter that came in to live with his uncle. And apparently he's he was a little bit slow. And like there's a long thing where uh, Leo was trying to figure out whether to play him, you know, whether to go all the way in and, and play him as Your like a mentally challenged guy. What they'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't <laughs> want to say that, but <laughs> don't, don't worry. Andy, oh, there we go. I'll, for you. Yeah, I'll, throw, I'll dump on that dynamite for you. He'll take that and, mentally challenged and, dynamite. In the end, he just played him. He played him maybe like ten percent, like ten percent. Like he just 10%. couldn't really understand what his uncle was. And like telling, he wasn't really able to translate what he was hinting at to him. That's what it was. That's the kind of slowness that I, I think he also was better really, from Trey. He couldn't write full sentences. Like all of his letters are kind of just written like it's illiterate scrawl. Uh, and like he doesn't know how like grammar works or anything like that, like is what Leo said. And like uh, a lot of his, so his, his letters are like that. Like he couldn't really read that well. He couldn't write that well. He was kind of just like he, he's compared. But he to, like, could play Lenny. the guitar like a ring and a bell. <laughs> no, he's compared to Lenny and of Mice and Men is what like Leo was kind of comparing this the, right, what right. what he heard the stories of from the Osage people like about this guy. See, but, but that he, makes me like up, the character yeah. better now because 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 again so much. he had he had all those mental mental handicaps. Well, no, because like I I, I kind of have gone on record saying that I feel like his is the performance that kind of doesn't do it for me in this one. But knowing yeah. that aspect of it. Actually, makes me okay. So a lot of that probably was intentional then, and yeah. he did a pretty he did a pretty good job with it. Which, again, because because it's about the banality of evil and like that slow slide of the corruption of the human soul is really yeah. what it is. This and this is you know there's yeah. whatever there's a lot of examples of that in recent media, but this does a great job of it. Like and that's where the um, the sort of slowish pacing you you really see that slow boil kind of come mm-hmm. up. But I was sort of like 
again, I, I was being like, God, I wish, I wish it was the Jesse Plemons and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio characters were swapped. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if if Plemons was playing that and 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 yeah, but I don't know. I, I it's it's which is how originally originally I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you why my like the FBI guy. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that seems like a good place for him. <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll tell you why I feel like it's really important that uh, De Niro and uh, DiCaprio played the evil characters. Because right. I feel like it's kind of it's kind of really important that like they're both charismatic celebrity actors here, and like we need to be really clear that the the third actor, Lily Gladstone, is like a debutant and uh, a debutant, and like you know she doesn't really have. Uh, name recognition, like people don't even know. Unless that, like, you know Kelly Reichardt's movies, you probably don't know who Which is, yeah, is. That, of course. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel like the average uh, Scorsese viewer is probably not like right. well versed in, like, I don't know if it's they, like they a, don't really they know any women, to be fair. Maybe they heard of what first uh, first cow without knowing what it, what it was, but that's probably the best you're going to get out of it, right? Like, right first cow right. is that like first man but with a cow? No, it isn't, sir. <laughs> uh, I feel like Wendy and Lucy is probably like the 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 catchier title that I remember always. Like yeah, more. well, and there's you know like what, I, I, I'm not trying to denigrate Kelly, Kelly Reichardt, but they, but but they they work on a different definitely level of fame. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. She was also in uh, Reservation Dogs, right? She was in the um in that show right That's right it. i i haven't seen the show either like so, i mean like i've That's only great. seen it in two things so far and but the point is that like i think uh scorsese and de niro being so, so you know de niro and, and yes and, she uh, is and she's great by the way and it's a very different role but yeah yeah <laughs> it's a great show <laughs> <laughs> like the the two of them playing the evil characters is important because i think that they both need to draw attention to the character through their charisma and right. show that like they're good actors by making people forget that they're both uh, the, the famous celebrity, uh, you know, likable, lovable people. Which De Niro does by having a southern accent for the first time since uh, Cape Fear. <laughs> the counselor, like, like that's what I loved is, is how they like work to like look similar by by having that same scowl the entire movie. Like like man, that, that I can't do that. That's impressive. That mouth work. What y'all doing? It's it's just like it's it's the emoji that's just like the sad the, kind of, mm, the frown emoji yeah. for both for both of them. <laughs> the entire <laughs> film. Well, yeah, but I well, they're they're related, you know. Like, but God. but I see what you're saying, Karthik, about like you know it, it, especially if you think about Scorsese as like the the controversy, if you will, of it being like, oh, is Scorsese going to be able to tell this story? And then you have him with like his guy and like his other guy, and they're they're doing the thing, and. Again, the only the thing to note about this story is that like both those guys are getting by on their charisma, right? So I guess it does make sense to have the bigger stars in that role. Yeah, and also too, this is not the first time DiCaprio and De Niro worked together. Uh, I think it was uh, the Boy's Life. I think that's what it was called. The this Boy's Life, where uh, Leo plays like a young kid. Uh, his mom marries this guy played by De Niro. He ends up being an abusive piece of shit. And mm. that was like the beginning. I mean, De Niro in a way has watched Leonardo DiCaprio grow up considering all the films they've done together. And mm. and De Niro kind of, uh, as Leo rose, De Niro kind of, his star fell. Like, I mean, not yeah. that he's not as big a celebrity as he always was, but like, he's just been in so many fucking bad movies at this point. Bad like, grandpa. Every, like, grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think like uh, I, the thing that I Red feel lights. about Leo, Leo DiCaprio is that like and it's, it's very similar to De Niro as well is that like even though they are both like stars technically 
that they're more like really good looking character actors. Well, so, I mean, Jesse Plemons doesn't look like he got hit in the face with the ugly stick either, though. I mean, he'd be fine. People will say shit. No, but like, I'm like, leave him alone. No. Just, you know, this looks like but dude. like, no, I feel like DiCaprio was the dude in Titanic, man. Like, I think like yes. that's a whole other level. I think that's 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 how that's that's why ladies will still love it to this day because he was Jack. Exactly. I, don't know. Yeah, I remember I the kid it, from it, Growing Pains. <laughs> or the kid in Critters Andy World, Three. <laughs> there he is. So, or the, I, I remember. You know, I the guy from Wolf of Wall Street that fucking is always on Fox News now talking about like GameStop and whether you should short the stock of that stock. <laughs> so, so, so think about it like the you jump, I jump guy now like slitting uh, Native Native American throats like and 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 like commissioning yeah. the hits and like saying, can you make it faster, guys? Like, please, we need to like get get going. Like, it's please. yeah, maybe maybe he shouldn't have been on that door. Maybe maybe it was good he he fell into the sea. Who knows? What he, <laughs> who knows whatever that happened when he got to the American shores? <laughs> you know, so I I have, this, I, I have this clip that I found though, and uh, sure, about sure. and it's Lily Gladstone talking about how in depth like her own upbringing uh, in, in relation to this, I guess 200 tribes were re- like, were represented on the set of this movie. Like this was like a, this was like a gathering of, of like native American, like, you know, cultures throughout the entire United States because yeah. they put out, I, I saw these like ads, they put out these ads in like all these native American, you know, publications and newspapers and like tribal websites and stuff looking for extras. And they got so many fucking extras uh, to be in like a lot of these scenes. I think what I brought most from home was um, just protocol of how to be and approaching people about our our stories. Because, I mean, Indian country, it's it's interesting as a Native actor, a lot of us have to speak for a character. Languages that linguists have deemed dead languages. Um, I mean, stories like this are an act of language revitalization. So I, I, I don't like that term personally. But, um, you know, we're an incredibly diverse group of people. There's 574 federally recognized tribes in the United States and another several hundred that are not. Um, and, I mean, there's, there's linguistic bases here, just like there are, you know, Latin languages, Germanic languages. Um, and the difference between Blackfoot, which I speak very little of, I can introduce myself, I can count to ten, I know some animals, I know the bad words. Um, <laughs> But in any case, it gave me like a process and, but it's a very different syllabic system. It's very different um, check, 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 phonetic check. system. And I mean, Blackfeet and Osage, it's like difference between like German and Mandarin, you know? So it was, it was um, a lot of finding Molly came from the language and really came from being in community. Like, I mean, I, I referenced that photo of my great-grandma Lily on the wall, and I knew I had to approach Molly the same way I would expect an actress to approach my grandma, with the same love and care and attention and the same engagement that my family would expect to see from her, whoever she would be. It's like, okay, that's, that's what I'm tasked with. Molly was a real person, and this history is an open wound for this community that I'm not a part of, um, become a part of, <laughs> and really beautiful, wonderful ways. But I think just being back home, knowing how to, knowing when you visit elders, you bring a gift because they're giving you your time and they're giving you knowledge. So you bring something. Um, 
knowing how to sit and be patient and listen to people talk through these stories and not be like fact finding, but be absorbing, like cause people share what they want to share with you. So I know how to sit with people and listen to experience. And all of that came from where I grew up. Um, my understanding of Molly as this high, like as this woman who, you know, a lot of, I'd, I'd written a screenplay my senior year of high school about how my great grandma Lily met my great grandma, grandpa Alec. And there were some similar dynamics in that marriage that you were very easy to draw on between Ernest and Molly. Alec was an Indian cowboy, but he was like a very like lively one, you know, a fun loving guy. And grandma Lily wanted to be a nun. She didn't want to get married. You know, she wanted to be a nun so she could be a teacher. Got married off when she was 16. So, but anyways, like the commonality was um, Grandma Lily was when she moved her family to Seattle. She was like the woman, all the Blackfeet, all the Seattle Blackfeet people will go visit because they said it felt good to sit and talk Blackfoot because she spoke fluently. Also a devout Catholic, like was at Sunday services every weekend when she, <laughs> when she wanted a parking spot, she'd pull out a rosary and like my dad would be circling the block and then sure enough, they'd always get a parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those things like relationship to culture, language, family, um, faith were all very similar to Molly and just given the fact that they were born within 10 years of each other. So that had a lot to do with yeah, all of that lent to each other. And then beyond that, it was just bringing the way that my nation's protocol raised me to be around people, bringing that into another community that was hosting me and just listening as best as I could. Holy shit. It's fantastic. Yeah, she's impressive. Yeah, it's just, it's fascinating how many languages that there are and like, you know, the fact that there's no, I mean, because like Indian country is, is, is a place where all of these tribes that were like spread out throughout the entire United States are just pushed into like, you know, a few like northern, uh, like western states pretty much, right? Like th there's a very small area because, you know, that's how they ended up just pushing them into one central location, you know, after committing pretty much a genocide. And usually... Um, that are not considered to be desirable land for some reason yeah as well yeah <laughs> and i mean if you've ever been to oklahoma you can understand why uh we, we would uh, shove people there um but like other uh, other other parts of uh you know like indian country like montana like montana. places like that right like yeah, yeah like, Dakota, montana yep. yeah. yeah the badlands the, the, um so but it's like it's, it's kind of fascinating because there were so many tribes and they all had so many different languages right like each of these nations had, and they all had different dialects of this language and then all these groups kind of just got pushed together into like a single res or a lot of times they just kind of made up a new tribal, you know, identity for them that had nothing to do with uh, the tribal identity they had previously. So it's right. like all of these. So when you see all these traditions uh, saved for this long, right. And like all these languages and you see someone with like a language department for, you know, the Osage language, like it, it's, it's fascinating. It's kind of beautiful that, you know, they've managed to keep these traditions despite literally every obstacle being placed in the way of that. Yeah. And like, you know, the, there's a lot of these traditions to that that have gotten lost, not just uh, Native American, because I know like in Texas, for example, there was a specific German language that that's no longer spoken um, hmm. that that they're actually working on preserving. So like there, there is a lot of uh, and, and I'm glad, you know, people are finally actually uh, doing this, uh, you know, so future generations can actually, you know, find these languages and uh, learn them and understand them and, and be enriched by them, because, you know, sometimes just, you know, the way turns of phrases are used in, in another language it, it's uh yeah. it's beautiful deep in the what? heart of stuttgart 
<laughs> what what do you guys think of the fact that um they didn't use uh subtitles whenever you know the Osage are speaking to each other or um you know there's different parts where De Niro speaks to them in you know stage or subtitles but I, I don't know I think I have my subtitles on anyways um I'm, but like I did did they have subtitles for the Osage parts though uh parts of it uh not 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 all of them but like uh, enough like whenever it was important uh it, it was there when it wasn't where you kind of get the gist of it from the conversation or you didn't need to know the you know the, the actual context of it uh it wasn't but uh yeah if you have the uh the subtitles just on uh you get you get a little bit of it yeah, yeah. That, that I remember I remember like the had not having trouble with translating any of the the native the native language uh parts because i feel like i was able to it was able i think and it, and it was a lot of them also there was a lot of and, and i remember all the dialogue between the, the 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 native people were in the osage people were in the the local uh, the, the dialect and uh i i don't remember it being translated or like anything uh i feel like there might have been subtitles then and uh, there, there was yeah there weren't there, there there weren't, weren't? Uh, um, the Scorsese said he wanted you to watch the movie, not read the movie. So he yeah. didn't, <laughs> he didn't include any of the, uh, well, he, he has some good lines about this. Like the, I like yeah. the, um, it's not a whodunit. It's a who didn't do it. Like, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <but> like, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I guess I just, you know, I guess I just watch a lot of foreign films. Like subtitles never bother me at all, but I get it. If we're talking about like the people that maybe most need to see this are going to be like subtitles. I'm out of here. I don't want to. Yeah. Read. Like white people, but then also they're going to be like, <laughs> I don't understand a word they're saying. We need subtitles, like right. right. It's, it's like, well, you can't. But, have, do you hear yourself? Yeah. But this also begs the question of like, what is the actual? What is the actual? With Spanish people, she's like, oh, I can't. Like, like I, I don't know what they're saying. And then she finds out what they're saying. And she's like, I don't like that they're speaking a different language. And it's like, yeah, that was your complaint. <laughs> what were you saying, Karthik? So, so, like, in, in the beginning when I was, like, trying to draw the comparison between Oppenheimer and uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, there's another reason, too, which is that, like, I feel like 2023 is, like, the year of the biopic. And oh, I feel like almost, like, eight eight of them or nine of them, I feel like nominations are uh, biopic nominations. And uh, It should be the last I, year of the biopic. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't, I don't That's know. what I'm, like... And and in, and interestingly, I don't think May December May December is a it's a best film nominee, right? It, it's it's again, it is not. It's one of the the biggest snubs. Is not only is it not a best picture nominee, it's not even a nominee for best actress, supporting actress, or supporting actor, which or is exactly. insane. So, so what's what's so fascinating yeah. is that like Killers of the Flower Moon and uh, May December are the two movies that have uh, taken on the question of like the integrity of the biopic itself, and uh, especially right. with respect to native genocide. Uh, and I think like the second movie, which I haven't seen, is Zone of Interest, and like uh, uh, in terms of depicting something uh, something along those lines in hindsight, like right now you can like wax eloquent about like you know how horrific it was, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but you didn't do fuck uh, when that was actually you know going on. So what the fuck is the point of showing it now, etc.? Is it just so you know we don't repeat it, etc.? Is that like the lesson? And like, there's a lot of discussions, philosophical, about portraying this in the first place. Uh, but I think like uh, one of the ways in which this movie defies that uh, is by like showing the 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 reaction. And that's why I feel like Lily Gladstone. Uh, is it Gladstone or Gladstone? I'm, I'm not. Gladstone. I don't Gladstone. Know. Gladstone. And right? uh, she, she's descended from. Uh, the William Gladstone, the Victorian era prime minister of on her mom's side of, oh, uh, wow, of wow. England, yeah. that so that he was the guy that basically uh, he was like the the fucking first version of like a Thatcher, 
Like he was the guy that was like, "Oh, you yeah. like we can have kids in workhouses. Like that's fine. Like that's business." So I feel that's like in in making this movie, right? And 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 uh, think I I'm thinking about all of the native uh, movies that have been made, and like I, I feel like they're all part biopic in some sort of way. There's like Last of the Mohicans, and like uh, there's uh, you know Dances with Wolves and. Uh, whatnot, and it's always some sort of like you know, trying which is to... uh, the mom in this is in Dancing with, Dancing with Wolves, right? I'm pretty sure. Yes, she's a phenomenal actress too. I don't know if you've ever seen her in anything because uh, she was uh, uh, she 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 also gave us a, a good performance here. But like you don't you don't have she was in uh, Stumptown, which is uh, was a short lived TV show where she had mm. one of those roles that actors like would kill for because like they were morally ambiguous, like like. Some uh, episodes she was the hero. Sometimes she was the villain, um, but but she was very antagonistic with the main character. And, and like, was it, it Dances was... with Teen Wolf? Was that the TV show? <laughs> no, <it was> <laughs> yeah, Dances uh, with Teen Wolf. That's what I said. <laughs> was it? It was Comptown. Um, it's based on a comic book, guys. Come on, a little respect for my culture. <laughs> Speaking of uh, morally ambiguous. Um, I think like uh, I think all, right, all of these all of these portrayals of uh, native characters so far like not native characters but like native stories so far uh have a, a been from the, the the white guy's perspective and uh b also have kind of made the white guy more uh, morally ambiguous like whether it's the what's his name da daniel day lewis character in the last of the mohicans or uh dances with wolves kevin costner they're both like you know heroic in a sort of way so I think like that's why I keep uh, drawing attention to the fact that DiCaprio and De Niro are doing this, and I feel like De Niro doing it, I, I I'm almost like respectful of him because I, my respect for him like slipped a lot because of how much he was caping for the Democratic Party um, <laughs> for, for the recent uh, in the recent times and like in very aggressive, unbecoming ways. Like he sounds like a grandpa on like some drug or something like that. So it's like I feel like it's very uh, undignified, uh, but channeling, I like Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> Like on brand for the for the head of state, obviously. But like, I feel like the the thing that he did in this movie is uh, a it's, it's it's extremely compelling. I was just pissed at him for analyze that, frankly. But you know, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that man. I think like I actually love him for analyze that. I even like him in Dirty Grandpa. I happen to be like in a, <laughs> weird like that. I think <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> oh yeah, all your applause. I wanted him. In that movie, the, there's the Meet the Fockers sequel too, right? Like, there's like how many little Fockers. Yeah, it, little it feels Fockers. like there's dozens of them, but there's. I like Meet two. the Fockers uh, just because it's got Strays and Hop, you know, Hoffman, and you know. Look, I'll give you analyze this, but analyze that really. Okay. <laughs> it's 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 very it's very uh funny to have him like do any kind of uh like I don't know like any, any kind of advocacy for anything though he doesn't like he can't speak like he unless you hand him a script. <laughs> He's, like, well, right, he's, like right. even, no, even watching even watching this uh like i watched the the whole thing that they did right he said maybe two words and didn't have a coherent they're they were asking about his character and he's like yeah i don't i don't get my character i don't understand his motivation but and that's like all he said throughout the entire <laughs> well, like he uh, <laughs> doesn't need to right i mean it's like yeah. we're, we're used to it now because everybody is like everything he's beloved but... by all women of color of course he's not gonna understand <laughs> So, so like, but, but it's I, but it's like gonna be something where it's like he doesn't have to. So like, why? I mean, why would you learn some extra skill that you don't need? You're very good at acting. Great, you can just do that. He's made a I've, been, yeah. like, I've been I've been thinking a lot about like maybe you can't read. And... That would explain some of the scripts. Go ahead, Karthik. <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm, I'm I've been thinking about the the contrast between like Al Pacino and De Niro. 
Uh, wait. <laughs> uh, and I think like basically the contrast is that uh, Al Pacino is kind of like a thespian. Um, and uh, De Niro is a little bit of a physical, like a muscular kind of, he's almost like a channeling Sylvester Stallone a halfway. Uh, uh, he, you could probably give him a, you know, an operatic performance. I, I can remember in like Angel Heart and stuff like that. But oh, Angel Heart's the, great, yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, he plays the devil, right? Like, so, uh, and, and Spoilers! I Spoilers! <laughs> and also like his performance in Cape Fear, he really yeah. had to yeah. bulk up and transform his entire body for develop one of those lower class southern accents. Counselor? Yeah. He, uh, yeah. He, was, he was like bigger than life in that movie. Yeah. 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 The Nero <laughs> has this like has this like weekend house, this gated kind of like weekend compound thing, uh five minutes up the road, literally. And oh. like in, in Gardner. He lives in like the next town over, but he doesn't want to interact with anybody in our community. So he takes he has a helicopter pad in his uh, <laughs> in his weekend fuck? home, and he takes his helicopter from Tribeca, which like I, I live ninety minutes from the city, right? Like it would be a nine <laughs> like an hour like an hour and a half car ride. He takes his helicopter on weekends, goes into his like gardener compound five minutes down the road that way, and uh, and it has walls like you can't like it's walls like you can't. You know, you can't really see what's going on in there. Can but, you just like, I've knock heard... and be like, hey, Mr. De Niro, I host a movie podcast. Care to come on for one <laughs> hey, of your films? I mean, you're more likely to, like, catch him, I think, in Tribeca than you are here because he does not want to interact with the I mean, honestly, I kind of respect the flex, but I get where that'd be annoying. Karthik, finish yeah, that point. Why don't you? You should you Please. should do to him what uh, he did, his his character does to Rupert Pupkin, does to Jerry Lewis and King of Show up with a woman. Show up with a chick. I'm broadcasting oh, here. I wanted to hand deliver you my script Mr. De Niro <laughs> yeah so so I feel like uh, yeah and, and speaking of Tribeca I think I think that's probably one of the reasons why uh, he's caping for the Democratic Party this part also because I feel like maybe there's some like connection with like donors and stuff like that I don't know I mean like he's not only uh, I feel an actor uh, Al Pacino is just an actor. I think uh, I'm not. Yeah, this political. comparison is even like he's not political. Like he doesn't have to do the the diplomacy stuff. And uh, De Niro is just anti-Trump. Like that's his whole thing. Like every time he talks about Trump, he just says "fuck Donald Trump." And I'm like, okay, can you say anything else? <laughs> but he's like not unless you give me a script. For, <laughs> he's an ambassador for the party, though. That's the important thing. But like speaking of scripts, and I think all right, all right we get it. Enough, enough of that. Yeah, that's fine. Move on. For, right. for, for really interesting about uh, De Niro is that like I, I watched Midnight Run, which was a really cool oh yeah uh, De Niro performance, uh, and and, and a really cool setting too. Really uh, a cool, and I, I only movie I've seen him in, I think, unless like I've un unwittingly seen him in movies and I don't remember him. Uh, he's uh, he's been in a few. He was in. Oh my god, uh, he was in the the Elaine May movie uh, where he's just like a total sleaze bucket. He, he's Groden's actually great. I, I've come around on Groden uh, big time. Uh, also, we saw him in the Al Al uh, Albert Brooks movie. He was Heart in Heartbreak Kid is what I was thinking of. Uh, it's not as good as uh, Mike and Nikki, but it's pretty damn good. And he's an excellent sleaze bucket. It's awesome. Uh, also, sidebar: Steve Bartek from Boingo Boingo did the music for Midnight Run, and I just had him on. I also, yeah. I also like Awakenings with him and Robin Williams. We watched that in my psychology class. Awakenings. Wow. Your yeah. your letterbox review for Midnight Run is really like I feel like I remember this because you said the the music score was horrendous. Uh, the Danny Elfman, I think Conan. You're, you're I know. I'm, I'm glad Steve Bartok doesn't read my letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I disagree with you though. I feel like that score is perfect for that. All movie. right. Well, 
Okay. No, like, don't you think it's like wild as fuck and like uh, it's it's completely outlandish and it, it was uh, not hitting me right last time I saw it. But you know what? I've also been in a situation where things that I I initially don't care for, I come back to and I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? This is the right thing for here, and I, and I yeah. like it. That, that's yeah, how I, that's how I felt about this film initially. I was like, okay, and then I watched it with everyone. I'm like, okay, I get it now. This this, but also too, a lot of people are like, why is that to be from the perspective of the white man? Like, there's so many like little nitpickies. Like, oh, someone indigenous should have directed this. I'm like, guys, well, I mean, it's, it's not it's, really. From I, the, I do like, feel the movie think, is does suffer a little bit from like a uh, point of view. Like, yeah, like, uh, it, it it is it is a little tough to figure out like who the the focal characters because the first you know the first thing you see is i'm assuming is uh um molly's like childhood with, with the like you know yeah. the white you know that that kind of flashback the oil scene. comes but yeah. like no there's you don't really know who the characters are you're not really introduced to anybody it's just setting up the people and yeah. then the first character like he wanted to he wanted to capture like in like a um like a Osage dance. Like, I feel yeah. like that's, that's kind of, he was like, I, I want to capture this thing. And then we'll cover which, you in oil. Which is cool. Like, 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 I love that whole scene. But then the first character you meet right after that is Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so like, it's, it's almost telling you like, oh, this is the main character as opposed to actually like introducing us to uh, Molly first, who I think uh, was a compelling character. And I don't think was focused on enough. Yeah. Um, I think I think the the main character is DiCaprio though, and I think it's important for him to be the main character too. I think this is the first time that I saw a movie in which I was like, okay, it's actually a good idea not to center or like not to focus the movie on the 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 indigenous character uh, <laughs> because I feel like the DiCaprio character uh, is is kind of like capturing the emptiness of the of the endeavor, like the, the, the kind of like sheer cruelty of it. Uh, the banality of evil, there. right? I yeah, mean, yeah, and and like the, the by showing him to be this purely, I I love money, you know, like the, the whole yeah. line, it's, it's ridiculous. Money, money, money. I feel like when we do Wolf of Wall Street, you could intercut that; it'd be just fine for us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's just like laugh. And I saw a meme, right? And I and I actually shared that meme, saying, "Holy shit, man! Like that's the one thing that like the the movie tries to be immune to, which is like it's actually kind of satirizing itself by saying." spare me the sanctimony you know it's like we're telling the story now and like it's cool and all but uh where the fuck were we all this while um and like you know even now like we're kind of still deriving entertainment value from it otherwise it doesn't get made that's why shit gets made uh they don't write scorsese a blank check for nothing you know like it's because he actually delivers on the product and so on so he's kind of indicting himself he's reading the list and like he's uh you know looking at the camera and uh, delivering this statement. Uh, and again, like, these are, I feel like these are all like spoilers, but I'm saying this out of context so you don't know where he's saying them. And, I mean, it's and history, all. so it's like, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not much can you really spoil. I mean, he knew he well, had to really <laughs> make a point with this movie and really consider like he needed indigenous people involved. He needed tribes. He needed to learn the language. He needed, he needed to make sure that this was not just some Italian dude doing a film about the Indians or something like that. Well, there's, a, there's, a, there's a part of this too that um, I don't think that this was like, you know, obviously planned out, but uh, I think two years ago they appointed that fucking horrible guy as like the um the oklahoma like you know yeah. like department of education guy he just signed fucking libs of tiktok to be his like yeah. appointed person so, so you're not, they're gonna not, learn they're about not allowed to actually they're not allowed to teach yeah, the Osage history right now like you're not yeah. like in in oklahoma schools like you can actually she lives in california for, but you get arrested like pretty much as a teacher uh if they catch you you know teaching this history or so the, or for like uh, Killers of the Flower Moon to come out and like you know be something that 
people are talking about, right? Like yeah. the kids in uh, yeah. the kids in Oklahoma even aren't getting that. And, and the Watchmen TV show, I think, was also kind of important too. Sure. Uh, you know, with the Tulsa Race Riot, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which, which uh, like, like we really do need actually a biopic by uh, by a you know, like Ava DuVernay. Wait, where's your biopic on this? But that's, I mean, but but that's it. That episode is very was very uh, sneaky in delivering that because it's almost like a pill being wrapped in cheese for the dog or something. Because yes, it's, <laughs> because it's you're not just uh, it's it's not just like oh here's some dreadful thing that's yeah. going to be about something that's going to make me feel bad. It's like, no, it was part of a... And as useless as that TV show is, I think that's the best part about the it's whole thing. It's not useless, was... Andy. Come on. It oh, may not be exactly to your taste. Seeing as useless as... <laughs> I mean... It's so like, Ridic- it's a ridiculous assessment. But here's what I'm going to say, and I've been waiting for a while to say it, so I'm going to say it now. Okay, go for it. If, if Sterling Harjo, who mm. is a uh, Native American director and uh, is uh, Oklahoma-based, and, and so, again, we've already invoked reservation dogs... Um, everyone remembers uh, uh, Taika Waititi, of course, but he's the one that's kind of like the the, the engine for that one. He's a seminal um, uh, who has Mus- uh, Muskogee heritage, right? So, yeah. okay, he does Killers of the Flower Moon. Great, nobody sees it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what it comes I would, down I to. I wouldn't. I I would probably wouldn't see it. I think it's you wouldn't very, know it, about it. You wouldn't even hear no, about it. I mean, I, I Taika Waititi. You know, used his fame from from the Marvel films to get uh, you know Reservation Dogs made, and like, and it's mostly Sterling Harjo, and he put yeah. his name on it so that people would pay attention to. And it. And, and Taika right. Waititi's not and even like like the right you know type of indigenous, like like he's not even from this country. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not But Sterling I Harjo like, is, and so yes. and so he found common cause with that because because he's he has done very good representation of. Uh, New Zealand um, uh, in indigenous people as well. If you if you watch yes. him as like non Marvel films or whatever, like there, there was. So, so here's why. Like I also think Scorsese is the best person to direct this movie. As One of well. the biggest directors uh, around, right? Not only because of that. Not only because of that. Yeah, I yeah. feel like Scorsese's mo has always like been as far as like gangsters and like these kind of tough guys. Accuracy. Are um, it, it's not only historical accuracy. You're right about that, but also he kind of like highlights cowardice very effectively in cruelty. Like he kind of like shows mm. the flip side of cruelty to be cowardice. Uh, and for somebody, and, and I saw this movie, uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore. Of course, oh, yeah. you, just like yeah, yeah. very, very, very fascinating movie. And like, I loved it. Uh, and it's such a beautiful portrait of like womanhood, which I haven't, uh, you know, like, I mean, as Scorsese faulted for a lot of shit. That's crazy. Like, I haven't seen that beautiful a portrait of like womanhood from a lot of like, you know, Christopher uh, Nolan can never. definitely definitely not and a lot of like people especially appreciated as like sensitive like for example even juno was not uh and you know like in 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 that level of like detailed uh like somebody like even despite the which was written by a woman too written by a woman but like it was directed with a a certain sort of sensitivity uh you know it was kind of like she uh like who's elliot page now uh but at that time um in the in the movie like both the olivia thirlby character as well as the juno character were like shown in a sort of caricaturistic sort of way can, can i say i think diablo cody did a better job with jennifer's body as far yes, as showing definitely. female friendship but like that's that's be, that's supposed to be a caricature so that makes sense I yeah suppose. yeah and it does it yeah. does actually show the complex nuanced nature of female friendship you know it just happens to be in a supernatural horror setting <laughs> and, and I think, like, the, the the reason why I feel, like, coming back to the point of Scorsese, I feel like uh, the banality of evil on the one hand, uh, but mm-hmm. also the flip side of cruelty being cowardice, uh, in that, like, these guys were all, like, getting somebody else to do the dirty work. Uh, right, the, right. Like, DiCaprio was getting bossed around by De Niro, but if you see DiCaprio is never doing the dirty work himself, the, the wet work, as they call it, like, is, is always done by some other person who's, Someone like, else. feeling god-awful about, like, doing it and, like, you know, 
having the actual horrific reaction of seeing the 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 the, the way the the aftermath of the killing um and scorsese is the kind of person who both wants to show the 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 dark comedy of the person undergoing that experience or the absurdism of that but as as well as the gore of uh, the, the the murder and i and i feel like and i and i'll contrast this with like two different people doing this where like for example taika watiti or uh, somebody like that would focus largely on the dark comedy aspect um while like somebody like mel gibson and I, i'm remembering apocalypto <laughs> which is not exactly like comparable at all but like you know the treatment of like you know if you want to call that an indigenous movie in any stretch of the word because it is technically an indigenous people that are being portrayed uh but like technically he's like fetishizing this gore fest he's like technically making a slasher out of the out of indigenous basically violence um and showing the brutality of it and so on but I did like, like the movie but I don't disagree yeah yeah but like, <laughs> like on the flip side if you look at it Scorsese is not showing the he's he's showing the indigenous people as like completely you know friendly and like not even suspicious right. like that you know lambs if, if they the wolves flip side is the lamb right? there's like, no ambiguity the, as to who is being the one that's that's, that's taken advantage of it and needlessly so which yeah. which again when we think about Okay, so if we're coming from perspective of we pay attention to these kinds of things, we pay attention to history, we pay attention to the history that's not being taught literally in schools. But I think it's 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 notable how many people don't, right? So so have this portrayed in a major motion picture that's like up for Academy Awards, huge. That's huge. Uh, I'm kind of ready yeah. for like a Jonestown pic, uh, movie <laughs> just because people can stop saying drink the Kool Aid. I'm like, it was Flavor A mm. first of all. Like, um, actually, it was Flavor A. <laughs> yeah, drink the Flavor Aid. Um, no, but like, oh, I, I think also like you Mark know, Borchardt chat. Thank you. That's what now. But thanks so much for doing the show. You guys are great, informative company. Aww. See you again. Oh, well, Mark, we love you. Yes. Come on. Somebody, someone uh someone posted like a, a picture like I watched American movie for the first time and it was like the greatest thing I've ever seen or something and I like retweeted it the other day. I was like, Yeah, I love Mark. <laughs> um yeah, like I, I also think though, like uh, you know, thinking about it as like lambs being kind of led to slaughter in a way, like right. it's it's interesting that you know he's built he is building the schools, he's building churches. He's building up the area, right? Like yeah. this area is becoming um, number one, like a you know a white area. Like he's he's kind of trying to erase indigenous culture in the process of, and like, extract the resources. Like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> doing things like you know about ballet, but like um, it, it's kind of fascinating though. Like you know but, when when you see someone as like a friend of the Osage, right? Like he's on this yeah. large cattle ranch. He's taking care of them. He's making sure that they're you know they get their medication. He's making sure all of these things at the same time as he's killing them. Um, it's like a, it's a very twisted dynamic where it's like, okay, w when it comes time to actually accuse this guy of murder, there's a lot that you'd be losing out on, you know, um, yeah. money wise. Cause he's, he's like a, a baron of the well, area. And, and, and then when they try to like more, go, yeah. go to the government, right. And it's like, yeah, let's maybe the president, which who's president around this time. Calvin. Calvin Coolidge. Coolidge. Yeah. Yeah. Real friend of the names. <laughs> Real quick, uh, actually, no. Fair, fair enough. Uh, Calvin Coolidge uh, with Native Americans. Yes, he was good with. Uh, it's, it's it's immigrants. He was really bad with. Um, ah, okay. Well, they were right. here I, first, I, so. do, 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 do. You know, I, I will. I will. Um, I, I actually I'm live pretty right pretty there. I'm pretty sure he was probably. Yeah. Calvin state. Coolidge sucks. I'm sorry, but it's, it's, yes, that, that's who they were. Does. Um, yeah. But, These but, white uh, men are dangerous. It's what they should have been chanting. Like, but he's, he's uh, 
He was from Massachusetts. That's why Andy knows so much about. Oh, there you go. That, that, uh, that's always been here. Like, Cal lives down the street. <laughs> yeah, I, I just uh, museum is right, right near my house. Like I've walked there many times. All right. uh, but, it's by, it's by your home. It must be good. Okay, yeah. that's how I feel about. It. Should I have some sentimental feelings to Sean Thurman? Then I don't think so. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is that I, I think it. Who are when you, you who see are you, the... Joe Biden? Okay, you have more to say on this, Andy? Really? What? Okay, what? 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 what yeah, what, I was just going to say, like, like uh, he actually got uh, the right to vote for Native Americans. Okay, well, nice. good. Well, that, that's yeah. a. Good I, I think. History. I think the reaction in 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 the film, though, as, as depicted, which is you know, largely indifference. Let's be clear. Uh, is which is after, literally, like, oh, we're sending this 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 guy up to go lobby first in government. Oh, yeah, and he gets caught. Right. Like, like, and again, I'm the first one to assail the running time on this, but like, if you don't get like all of that, they're trying to go through the process. They're trying to go through like things like the correct way. And it's just yeah. stymied at every turn. That's when you start being like, Oh, this is, this goes deep. This goes yeah. deeper than like, this isn't just like one bad person. You know? Well, you get, you get the, um, you know, right before they sacrifice uh, William King Hale to the, to the you know uh, ten years in prison or whatever on the um, apocalypto altar actually it's crazy how they got that pyramid in there but yeah. um no like right <laughs> before they sacrifice him right you get you get the literal smoke filled room that they bring Ernest into with uh, right right Brendan, not, if, yeah, not even figurative a literal like, one yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, which which uh, that scene made me feel bad because I talked to my cat the same way that Brendan Fraser talked to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in that scene. Um, or can we talk about stupid. when he's like, my client, I've never seen my client. I was like, I was like, this came out of nowhere. I'm like, this guy's an Oscar winner? Brendan that's Fraser uh, jump scare. I love that he's trying to both be the uh, lawyer for the defendant and for the, uh, you know, like he's, he's the defendant lawyer and he's like the prosecutor too. Like he's, he's on both <laughs> sides of the fight. And they're like, you can't, you can't do that. Like, it's literally unconstitutional. I know, I was you like, do that. Yeah. What? But like, but like, that's also the other reason I compared it to Oppenheimer because, like, that's the third act. Like, that's the third act in Oppenheimer. Oh yeah, the third act's like... basically C-SPAN. Sure. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. You know how they have the whole like <laughs> people who have won Academy Awards for just appearing in like two or three minutes. I think like Robin Malik deserves a best supporting actor Oscar for that scene alone, and like not for Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But the other dude is better though. The the yeah. the assistant guy, the the guy who's. Uh... I forget his name, um, but who's De Niro's? So not De Niro, Downey's assistant. He's oh, uh, yeah, that guy. He was, yeah. the, he was the cowboy in Hail Caesar. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's cooler. <laughs> but but like the thing, yeah, they, they, well, that's so that goes back to the the Fablemans, right? Where where it's like, okay, how much does someone have to be on screen to be a supporting actor performance? Well, Judd Hirsch's scene in that is amazing. It's probably one of my favorite things in the entire movie. And but... this is why a lot of people think Lily Gladstone should have been for supporting actress and not leading actress because she's not in the movie a lot. And I'm like, oh, whatever. No, but her eyes are leading the whole film. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We also. Yeah, uh, she's also the only like. She's if we're nominating body parts, I got a whole list. If she's the, the most important David, Lin or David Lynch is John Ford in that for like that no, five no, seconds. Yeah, and people sure. were like, "That's the five seconds of that's the one good scene." <laughs> so, so number one, I feel like uh, Lily Gladstone is central because the whole movie is supposed to be she's bearing witness to the whole thing, and that's the point of the movie. The yeah. point of the movie is not to tell the story, but to make her watch it. And then it's kind of like gru gruesome for that reason. Like it's kind of like a clockwork orange experience. It feels exploitive. Yeah, ex yeah. exploitive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, and it's deliberately that. Like she is consenting in a in a in a weird sort of distorted sort of way. You could call this consent, but like in a, in a sort of way, she's participating in this experience of like saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm ready to tell this story. Make it unfold in front of me. I'll watch it. 
I know it's going to make me feel all this sort of shit. Uh, a lot of these screams, I'm pretty sure, you know, a lot of them might not have been feigned and so on. You know, this is not necessarily she's watching it happen right in front of her. But these are reenactments uh, that are not exactly pleasant for her to watch. Uh, even historically speaking, just like seeing that, because that's like a a fall of a, of a civilization almost where these people lost everything. And then now they, they don't have the shit that they uh you know had before they were robbed of all of these things and so to watch it you know to be done to her uh people is is kind of like cruel and yeah. and i think like as well, it's all, it's, does i it, mean it's, it's fascinating that she's not she's from a different you know tribal nation right like and we kind but, of uh, yeah but the onus is on her like she's the representative and i think like yeah. that's kind of how we have to see it uh and like and it's really important that it, it's done to somebody who is from like you know from from uh, who can be a representative and like who can who can stand be a stand-in for the uh, bear witness to it and like uh, have like Leo DiCaprio like be the coward and like you know uh, shrink uh, from her when she confronts him and so on, uh, which I think is the point of the movie and that's why like it's it's so fascinating for me like to, to even consider her the Native American actors nomination. Uh, as if like she's kind of like a diversity hire or something like that. To me, that's like wild. <laughs> sure. Because yeah. like, and that's what's so crazy. Yeah. To me. Like, even even in this even in this clip that we watched, right, Forrest, Like when when you put 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 the clip up, it was like three or four minutes of her just speaking. I couldn't stop yeah. listening to her because she's just a first of all, and I can't keep saying this. Like uh, it's almost disrespectful because the movie is so serious. But she's so cute. I can't. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like. She like reminds me of Drew Barrymore and like or, or somebody yeah. like that. You know, she's very charismatic, not just from the standpoint of like she's a good actress, but I feel like she has real star quality. Yes. Um, I mean, her character in uh, Reservation Dogs is amazing. It could not be more different. She's like a hardened, like, you know, she shows warmth, but it's like she's literally visited in prison by one of the main characters. And, and like, it's completely different. Like, she is a great actress. And it, who... It, who was picked largely because of her ability to uh, emote and and act without saying anything. Oh, yeah. she's got and, silent film star eyes. Yeah, Scorsese was saying like she he like he made her watch a lot of like Olivia de Havilland uh, clips from like you know the 1930s, like you know that that old style kind of like regal because that's kind of how these women carry themselves as like these old right. style movie stars almost, right? Because they're yeah. like it, it's a halfway point between. Uh, you know, like ritualistic tribal culture, but also like we're rich now, like not like kind of, like, you know what I mean? Like we're rich now enough that we can buy, you know, like nice clothes and car. Like they have all have drivers. like nice cars. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. my brain yeah. having the Chappelle voice say that. Well, I they accidentally were, they killed were... <laughs> Olivia de Havilland, by the way. I was like, oh, Regis Feldman died. That's so sad. We still have Olivia de Havilland and then she died. Mm. And I'm you know, as much as, as much as it's, it's required for her to be believable uh, in the character, you know, like to to have those expressions and and so on. Like she's also supposed to be slightly quiet, like because she's that's the that's the kind of stoic reaction that she gives. She has to hold strong, but also as like especially the shit starts to unfold, uh, right. she can't like just keep losing it. And secondly, I think like yeah. what's also really crucial to this movie is that like, and I feel like this needs to be talked about is that I think the guy really loved her. Yes. In yeah, a yeah. weird way, in a twisted way. No, I don't think it's weird at all. I think it's weird no. in the fact that the character study of the guy, but like yeah, th yeah. that you could hold those two ideas in your like well, a, a betrayal that intrinsic, but also like sincere in the way that he can be, you know? Yeah. 
Christina already invoked uh, um, uh, Strom Thurmond, who who uh, loved his granddaughter, or he loved oh, his he, daughter. He sure did. That uh, that that, um, yeah. uh, that was black. Yeah. Uh, but like he, you know, that dude was racist as fuck, uh, and he hated yeah. black people. Kept their so, secret. You know. Yeah. And and because uh, Leo, so Leo Leo produced this, right? Like Leo was the producer on this. Uh, as well as you know, being the star and was signed on from the beginning when they had a different script. But uh, so Leo, Leo, as like a you know, as a producer, went in and was talking to all the uh, Osage people. Was asking over and over again, like, do you think that he really like he? They had, they literally still have the family of you know Ernest and Molly in like mm. that live on the reservation. Yeah, the grand grandchildren and, are doing interviews about the situation. Yeah. So and like they they kept saying apparently like like yes they loved like they loved each other like there there was yeah. love in this relationship uh, at the same time as betrayal at the same time as complicity at the same time as all of these you know deeper more depraved dark emotions there was love at the core of it too and like you know cuz it would be very easy to just be like oh they loved each other yeah yeah, yeah. like we're we're kind of making this character I mean, more sympathetic. He was poisoning her and was but like oh my god what with, am I with doing? uh you know he was poisoned her with morphine, like, and then they tried to they weaned her off morphine by giving her heroin in the hospital. I, <laughs> well, that's you, you how it's done. Hear, you yeah. can hear in the background two two milligrams of heroin stat or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just like, it's like maybe maybe the fact times. that yeah maybe the fact that he loved her uh, made him uh, do a bad job of killing her, or uh, mm. I don't know. He, like, he uh, just kept doing like all the like like he just kept adding stuff to her insulin or something like that. He was adding morphine the entire like he just kept yeah. giving and then he drank the fucking more they like put all the like morphine two drops like, eh. yeah. he fucking drinks the morphine too a fucking idiot man this dude is a fucking moron but but and, I, the idea that he's supposed to be now again yeah. I, I was just like this guy sucks what's his deal like like it was mm. the thing I liked the least about the movie but now I'm now I'm you know it. yeah I mean. Whatever, it's like people don't need to have like a like a, a sign around their necks or anything. But but, but like you know, again, like this, this is like the the uh, spicier side of things. Uh, <laughs> and this is probably why you should probably not have me for like you know a discussion on Oppenheimer, uh, because well, we already uh, did it, so you're not on it. No <laughs> we're good. Because <laughs> like because the thing is, uh, I feel Carthy like uh, the 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 character of um, so, like Killian Murphy. Uh, you know, playing Oppenheimer, despite the fact that it is, you know, an ambiguous character who's like shown with shades of gray and like villainized and, at the end. Uh, and like definitely, you know, like problematized and everything like that. Uh, it, 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 he is still not like as devoid of charisma as like, uh, you know, Burkhardt is because Burkhardt is just like such a tool. Uh, but what I feel like maybe I'm like a little more polemical in my like interest and taste and so on. So I, I was like, I no. would actually want this, want this like, uh, you know, the, the, the Oppenheimer character to have been like a little more of a lackey than a, a more individualist like yeah, figure. Yeah, but he wasn't. He was given that's that not Oppen- pussy, though. That's not who Jay, that's not who Oppenheimer was. Yeah. Like he was Oppenheimer, very... was, Oppenheimer was not a lackey. He was an egotist. And he was yeah. also somebody who, uh, like, he, he was. Well, I mean, he was a woman, but he was he was brilliant, and he was deeply fucking charismatic. Like that—that that is yeah. where the core of the Oppenheimer story comes from. Like everybody that encountered him was like, "This guy is number one weird as fuck. Number two yeah. has a weird like." I, like, I don't disagree. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's how he became the ambassador of physics to the world, basically. Yeah. You know? Well, also the <laughs> Killian Murphy voice that he does, where it's like this weird half British, half American kind of weird, like, like that, that's the Mr. real Rogers. Oppenheimer accent that Oppenheimer put on because he's a fucking weirdo. He, yeah. He's like a, he's like a schizophrenic weirdo. Like, yeah. and, and so he wasn't, he was not a lackey. There was nothing actually lackey about him 
but but like, that's the was, point though. Like the thing is that like he was yeah, the Anna Delvey of his day. <laughs> yeah, to me the idea is that like uh, he did he did have like a huge, huge uh, narcissistic personality um, and so on. But like uh, the thing is, the, the Truman incident like kind of really sets the movie. The movie is great, man. Like there's really no problem with the movie. Yes, that like, actually just, happened too. That whole everything. Yeah, like, yeah the whole and, dialogue. So, so yeah, that, 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 that whole, scene like, word word. sets everything in place because it, it actually puts him in place. Like, that's actually, uh, you know, it's like saying, saying, you're not the martyr, man. Like, stop making yourself out to be. You're like just a, you're not even a fall guy here. Just shut the fuck up, you know, in the sort there, of way. There is, and, like, that actually, the, the, one, um, the one funny thing, though, about uh, uh, Truman, because Truman, you know, had, had that, like, deeply insecure personality. Uh, as time went on, like Truman kept changing what what he said to Oppenheimer and making it like grander and more whatever. So like the first time he he was like, oh, you know, he had some kind of reaction to him, and then he was like, and then like a, like a year later or something, he was like, and then I told him I handed him a napkin and I said, wipe the blood off your hands. Then and then he got bigger and bigger with the story where he's like uh, telling him like, don't you fucking cry in my office. And a lot of other people that were there like, yeah, he didn't say like maybe that much of it like this is kind of something that truman conceived in his mind because he's like you know he's he's like trying to convince himself well, he's now. trying to convince himself that he can dominate uh that he could dominate the scientific community because he was someone that didn't go to college had no education whatsoever was literally oh. just a fucking country bumpkin i mean in, in a sort a of lot. way like not, he did right, not we're like done science. talking about oppenheimer how about killers of the flower uh, moon again like i'm just coming back to the point which is that like great can't wait to hear it subjecting <laughs> subjecting the viewer to the length of like three and a half hours uh what are you subjecting the viewer to uh sure. and the reason i had the issue with the uh, with Oppenheimer in the, the first place and like which i really didn't have with killers of the flower moon is that i think even though it feels like it's torture porn uh or trauma porn of like uh indigenous peoples to like show them getting like brutalized like this uh over and over and like scorsese spares no and like in fact like uh, somebody somebody had tweeted that uh, you know uh, killers of the flower moon actually delivers the critique that was leveled against oppenheimer so are you guys happy etc because like they actually showed the suffering um in full detail uh and so on but i think like it, it, the point is not the suffering the suffering is fine but the not fine but like you know the suffering is it has been done but like the the bearing witness is the really important part and like yeah lily gladstone's reaction uh as like molly really is the movie uh yeah, more, more her than family's the, getting killed off one by one well yeah. and, and so that comes back to what we were saying earlier like they're, they're like well why did you just get a native american filmmaker to make this why don't you and but it's like well no because the point is that you're, you're it's focused the focus is on the evil yeah. It's it's not on like hey wasn't it great being uh, like an Osage when in this time no no it wasn't it just like it was never a good time to be it, Native it American. It would have been that well, that would have been the focus of the movie like no it wasn't great to be us are you fucking kidding me what what, yeah. what why is this our perspective like but it's I, also I, a spectacle I mean, it evil needs is the main character yes, it needs to be a spectacle good. too at the same time because the and, scope and of the operation you want to see said that a bunch uh like in, in the interview yeah. he's like he's like i i you know i had to do this as a spectacle because otherwise it's you know it's unwatchable it's not like uh it's something that's just you know right. so so like uh harrowing and hard to watch yeah it's like it's like watching uh faces of death or something it's, it's like it's a snuff <laughs> film at that point it's like just miserable. Mm. um Thank but you. like faces of death everybody yeah but you know, it's also like people are saying, like, "Oh, well, why didn't a Native American filmmaker do this?" The, like the actual Killers of the Flower Moon book, which I, ha I haven't read. That's one but... of. The, by the way, if you can't, well, tell, I'm amazed. amazed. <laughs> I, normally, you would be talking about yeah, the is... book instead of the movie. No, but I haven't. I haven't what read the book. I are wrong. Well, 
but the original like what like the original thing is about the birth of the FBI, right? Like it focuses far more on the FBI than on any of the Osage characters. And Scorsese's original script uh, also focused. By the way, Eric Roth, the guy that wrote um, the script with him, is also the guy that wrote Forrest Gump. Mentally challenged characters, I guess, is, is, is this thing. But uh, like, so, so the original script they wrote about the FBI and Scorsese's like, I don't. This is not what I want to do. Like, I don't. I don't want to just write like his other people have already done that. It's kind of a procedural. Yeah. It's like a book about how they solve the. It case would have been a much weaker movie and a very different yeah. movie, right? And, so, and, and, so I appreciate so, that he yeah, wanted yeah. to do something different with it, right? And he's been very vocal yes. about why he made this decision, and even like the ending, right? The controversial ending, uh, with with the fully the the stage. Uh, the stage radio play with like all the foley work and everything along those lines. But what what's controversial about that? I feel like that's the thing. Some that people really have said them. that it was that it was, that it was like after like seeing all the stuff that you see that like it hit wrong. I'm like, well, but the point is that it's controversialized, right? It's made into yeah. media. I'm not saying I agree with any of these people. I, I think most no, of the criticism in this movie. Is I mean, what did they want? Like a freeze frame like, and, and the bio of like what happened afterwards, like <laughs> like at the Inflatable House. Like like it's is that so, what they so want? Like a, a, Senator Blutowski. Record scratch. Hey, it's me. You're probably wondering how I ended up here. <laughs> no, I mean, again, it's idiotic. Like that, that, but like I, it's an interesting way to go about it. It's also funny that he, he does a cameo as himself, right? Uh, that uh, Martin Scorsese as, as the in there, but like the idea of that, like Jack that's, White, Jack that, White's in there, like which is, which was like really fascinating for me. Like I was like, what the fuck did he have to do with any? I was like, this it's ending also, came out of nowhere. What are you, what's happening? It's literally how J. Edgar Hoover uh, boosted his bo both himself as like a you know Jay American Edgar Hoover figure. Will return. Okay, okay. So, well, so I don't want to talk about J. Edgar Hoover. I want to talk. I want to finish my point, which is that like yeah, yeah. It, it it shows that the only way you will ever hear these kinds of stories is in a controversialization that focuses only on the, the basically the people that have done the wrong. You'll never actually see it from the from the Native American perspective. So I think it's actually kind of ingenious. I came back around on it after I thought about it for a bit. Like, hold on, that's actually great because if you think about how these stories are told and who tells them, of course it's going to be like this. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of lighting that up at the same time, and then also showing some great foley work. Yes, <laughs> I think like the reason why this this movie yeah. becomes the movie of the year uh, for me, especially, is because uh, of what's going on uh, in Palestine. And uh, I mean, obviously, he didn't choose it, uh, but like uh, you know, it's it's like zone of interest, and these yeah. are like two movies that are uh, obliquely talking about what's going on uh, because of like the Genocide. slow, brutal, I mean, yeah. slow, brutal moving uh, kind of like you know, kind of meat grinder uh, that's going on, like essentially of uh, humanity. Um, and I think like what is uh, especially you know thinking about a guy like scorsese uh, i was recently like you know not to go too much of an, uh, on a tangent uh, I, I watched uh, oliver stone savages and uh, i was like really fascinated with how similar it was like and, and also comes out the same year as like wolf of wall street and it's also like a, a kind of like a, a economics movie like a money movie you know like about, about like a, a greedy greed movie uh, and I and, and I was like instantly demand greed how greed couples with like cruelty and like you know crime and stuff like that and uh, here he gets mixed up with the cartels it's like weed growers who get mixed up with uh, the cartel and like it, it's pretty brutal and like it, it kind of like showed me how much Scorsese and Oliver Stone are similar as filmmakers of like basically who portray cruelty and like who yeah. who are really good at it and like they 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 kind of satirize it uh, they show that the the flip side of cruelty is not exactly all that macho, uh, they're, they're like macho guys who are anti-macho in a sort of way. Um, 
And I feel like yeah, that's I mean, kind of the, the, the toxic side of, of, you know, that macho image. I feel like it's not even toxic because like it's not even going into the realm of like, oh, these are bad people. But like going to the realm of like, these are weak dudes. Like this is a fucking pathetic, like Robert De Niro's you know character in the last scene. Like, like deconstructing the toxicity, like uh, like right, a movie right. like Wolf of Wall Street or, or Scarface, right? Like the the flexing, the the you know bravado of the entire thing is also the downfall of the, the character. Like it's deconstructing toxic masculinity kind of. Right. Yeah. But like it's it's weakness. It come it comes from an overcompensation uh, and like an insecurity and things like that. And like I feel like uh, the Robert De Niro character unraveling in the end is like pretty significant because of that. Um, they love me. The, what are you like... talking about? <laughs> and that speech he gave about like oh people are gonna forget. It was just like uh, on point. White like, people forgot. Yes. Yeah. Well, but yeah. That's and Oklahoma's it. trying to definitely make everyone forget. Yeah. Because they're all run by the same people who, you know, a hundred years ago would be killing Native Americans. Right. Yeah. So, like, in, in terms of uh, the the concept of dudes marrying into women families and killing off the women, which mm-hmm. is very like kind of, and it's not exactly the most. It's it's almost like you could say it's anti-macho and like almost like going the opposite way because the the idea of poisoning your spouse is something that's like historically attributed to like women trying to get rid of like uh, get get out of marriages that they're forced into so they try to like poison yeah. their spouses yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So like, but but you know, if, uh, um, white dudes uh, doing that to native women is kind of fascinating because native women are supposed to be the the matriarchs. And it's kind of evident in the in the way that the system itself is arranged that they are like inheriting through the the marrying into the woman, uh, marrying into the family through the woman, um, and and it's kind of like I feel like it it inverts the gender dynamics, the power dynamic, for it, sure, yeah, yeah. Well, because it's again we're dealing with with a segment of history that that most people don't even know anything about, right? Like yeah. like it, this film has done more to like let people know about. Uh, you know hey, what you're not there. gonna be learning about this in school so let's have a movie made <laughs> right, yeah. exactly so let's get scorsese and, and like there's a lot that they didn't even cover that that you don't need sure. to know like like, like i yeah, mean yeah, let, yeah. let's be honest like like yeah. you don't need to know that like uh oklahoma was a big uh rush of people trying to make money um uh like my my uh great grandfather uh was uh you know uh in oklahoma trying to um uh to make oil money and uh did not succeed lost a lot of money uh, and uh, so when my grandmother uh, and, and the family left uh, Oklahoma to go move to California, they were poor. Um, right. and, and they also like the Dust Bowl ravaged it. Like, yeah, that's that's where, where we that's... got Okies from, because that yes. was the, the what was those people that moved them. They were Okies. They, yes. They, yeah. The Dust Bowl refugees, you know, Okie dokies, which which, by the way, play in Bakersfield uh, <laughs> next month, along with Los Angeles and San Francisco. <laughs> Which means we'll be called Oki Town, frankly, because that's like entirely who populates it. That's why that's funny. Yes. Thank you. It's, it's always better when you explain why. Yeah, I believe funny. I believe yeah. didn't Woody Guthrie live there and and uh, became like the chief hobo pro, uh, reporter for the local radio station. <laughs> this machine kills fascists. Yeah, there, there's a lot. There's like the whole Bakersfield sound thing, uh, very important to you know modern modernish country music through by way of a country music that does not suck uh but anyway mm-hmm. i but that's it's, you can't tell all those stories i mean first of all the movie's already long enough right that would always yeah, yeah. have a distraction 
but speaking of speaking of locations like how how did you feel about the, the where was this film by the way i actually blanked out on that where is it this was filmed in happened? oklahoma if i remember correctly it okay. looked like it was it um, was and all my oklahoma friends are kind of mad that it, they, like they showed the ugly parts like well i'm sorry what's beautiful about that the great plains nothing sorry well, I, I mean they didn't show any sunsets oh dear you know like 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 <laughs> honestly the sunsets are gorgeous in oklahoma uh if, you, if you're from uh in oklahoma just stop by at dusk and then leave <laughs> do, do you think like that sort of stuff like uh, actually really matters when it comes to an oscar because like i was actually really fascinated by uh and, and obama is usually really hip to what the kids like and stuff like that and like uh, killers of the flower moon was like noticeably not on his like year-end list and not like i give a fuck but like it's kind of fascinating that uh, killers of the flower moon also is not widely uh, was not awarded as a, as a movie it's being awarded as like okay here's this like really phenomenal acting performance let's like give her this prize and like you know recognize that so that like we know that like, this historically important work has like been made this year uh, but I really think that it's a, it's, a, it's a really strong movie to the extent that I would call it one of Scorsese. Like with the Irishman and this, I feel like late in, late in his life, he's delivering like two of his strongest movies uh, of all time. Um, yeah. And I think like this movie is particularly one of his like strongest movies, I think, uh, mainly because of how indulgent he has been like in this. Like and he, and he feels like really like he has earned it. Like he it's, he's almost like being like, fuck you, I'm going to make this movie like this sort of. And I and I really respected that, like because I I think like there's an extent to which you know you could tell like you know dial it back, man. Like it's okay, you know you can dial it back. Like we got it already. You don't need to go that far into like some of the some of the uh, like the dark comedy. Uh, you know you could get, you get it. Like you know it, it, it's not like uh, every single one of them are really biting and like they're they're amazing scenes. And like I, I I'm I'm pretty sure like every single clip that we watch is going to be memorable uh, along those lines but i feel like you know we get the point after a while uh but do you need so many of those to get drive the point home that they, oh yeah these are cruel heartless people we get it these are wolves um but i think like he is being indulgent for a reason he's like really indulging the the view and like saying sitting you down and like making lee gladstone like you watch it and like saying yeah this is what the history of this uh, countries. The repetition's a point. Yeah, to, to, to get it yeah. across. I, I will say that I mean, when this came out, there was like a lot of like, well, this is the best picture of the, of the year. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of people talking. For whatever reason, that kind of fell off. But then Oppenheimer happened. Yes. And... Yeah, but like still, like it was it, it yeah. fell out of favor amongst the awards crowd, but it's also been a very strong year for movies, frankly. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and it's interesting that I mean, for a while there, there was the talk about it. Um, you know, Robbie Robertson. It's his last score. Yeah, it was right? just phenomenal, I mean, and it's really good. Like, it's, it's it's honestly one of my extremely favorites. Extremely good. Yeah, yeah. And he's not around anymore, so it's sort of yeah. It used used to be that meant you automatically got got the award if you died. Mm. Uh, but it's it's interesting to see that, like, this is not a very fun movie. Right, I think we can all agree yeah. with that. Maybe that's why a lot of people are like. Eh. I, I mean, with Oppenheimer, there was Barbenheimer. There was something to go right. about. There was after, it was after uh, Zone of Interest. This was a bop. <laughs> but that, but that's but what? So this comes back to a, a, a common refrain I talk about, which is the fact that you know so much of like what is awarded, especially in the Hollywood system, there's such a it's overrepresented for biopics. It's overrepresented for like misery drama. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. You know, like, and 
never is comedy like if comedy or is horror. even it mentioned well that's a that's a separate discussion but yeah if, if it if either one's uh comedy or or horror or sci-fi whatever are mentioned it's because it is it, it's emblematic but also transcends the genre and that's the only time you'll ever see it and this is this is not new. Like, I, again, I, I've invoked Sullivan's Travels a few times, that uh, uh, Preston Sturgis movie. Where they're lampooning that in, like, what, 1943 or something along those lines? So it's always been that way. If you, if you, really, if you really want, like, a, a, a performance that was snubbed this year that was a comedic performance, uh, I still haven't watched The Holdovers, like, so I will, like, uh, hold Holdovers. on that. But, like, I, I'm pretty sure I love it because, like, I love Alexander Payne. But like uh, the performance that I feel like is snubbed, and I'm not even being like sarcastic or facetious in saying this, is Paul da Paul Dano and uh, is it Paul Dano or Paul Dano? Am I saying his name right? Dano. Uh, Dano. Paul Dano. Paul Dano in uh, Dumb Money. Dumb Money. Dumb Money is great. We're actually going to cover that in April. So uh, yeah. and like uh, yeah. the performance is phenomenal because I feel like and again like talking about uh, less doing more with less. Yeah. Uh, Lily Gladstone. I mean, like it's it's kind of a little. Uh, I feel like blasphemous comparing her performance with like Paul Paul Dano's and. Uh, dumb money because he's playing the GameStop guy um but uh but but i feel like it's kind of similar because it's it's like it's an introverted performance yeah. uh and it's hard because i feel like uh performances are ex like especially uh big performances uh award nominated performances are always scenery sorry scenery chewing so introverted performances are like harder to capture and i have to say i was very worried that when you when you started that sentence you were going to bring up russell crowe and um pope's exorcist uh so i'm <laughs> <laughs> love that movie though by the snubbed, way snubbed crazily uh so to finish yeah. my point uh as much as oscars and, and critics love to award like heavy dramas that are that are full of misery it, it's it's kind of hard to get like your average movie goer out to go see that because their yeah. regular lives are so goddamn miserable. They anyway. want to yeah. see Top Gun and Plane Goes Whoosh, right. which is exactly. weird because when me and KT saw Zone of Interest, the the theater was packed in the middle of the day. Yeah. Oh, that movie does exist. <laughs> Somebody saw it. That's not a critic. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was it was kind of amazing. Um, yeah, I'll talk about it more in the after party if you want me to. But uh, sure, sure. But I think I think that uh, go going to your point, Carthy, about it being sort of like you know, it depends on what time of the year like this movie came to your attention because it was definitely like it was like a watch out Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon is going to be unbeatable for for a while, and then that kind of faded for whatever reason. Uh, it is interesting, and there's a larger conversation to be had that we will not have on this main show. That is that I don't think you get uh, Oppenheimer with the, the level of praise that it has without Barbie making something that's good, but not fun at all. Yeah. Something that is palatable for the mainstream audiences. So it's that's a whole large. There's a deserves to be a whole documentary about that. Frankly, I will. Uh, I, will I will make it. <laughs> Made by Christina Oaks. Yeah, uh, Chris, but, Christopher Nolan like definitely owes Greta Gerwig one, like for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and so and he was all pissed that the movies came out at the same time. He was so mad, and and like they were the ones. It was all Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig. Like, yo, we you know, in you know, here. <laughs> you know who really got like fucked over by like both of those movies is Tom Cruise. Yes, uh, with, yeah, with, and it's not it's talked cool. about enough. Like, like with the her. week before they were he was he was so mad i was yeah. like hey. well i saw that movie it's like like honestly there's a reason why it's I was so quickly forgotten it's a forgettable movie but the why one would you thing... make two two part endings to like a fucking mission impossible <laughs> well uh because harry potter was successful I mean, I mean, 
enough, enough. That's it. Yeah. So, but, but it was two books. Yeah. But, but it's also like two books. But, but the thing that has has oh has, no, it wasn't. It was two part uh, two part movies. But like I feel like it was the, the, the it was still a book. I well, feel we're like. gonna pick this up in the Who Cares catalog later. But uh, <laughs> Lily Gladstone, the one thing that's been consistent the entire time is people being like Lily Gladstone is fantastic in this, right. and that has been consistent the entire time for good reason. And, yes. and uh, it's interesting to see most of the rest of the stuff fall off as far as buzz goes. Yeah. Uh, but then we never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, it's just because, yeah. like, what happens at the Golden Globes doesn't necessarily happen at the Oscars, you know? Like, what happens at BAFTA doesn't happen at the Look at Ask Banshee's even the Sheeran, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask what happens Michelle Yeoh. Stays in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, but, but but I do think that, like, uh, the, what we're, what we're uh, poised towards is, like, basically... Uh, a, a split of uh, because there's so many good movies and like it's very difficult to uh, to gauge like which one was the most accomplished and I and I it, for, for me They're like so I feel different like different too yeah you and yeah. that's always the case because right it, it it comes with taste yeah definitely. Because it's uh, I like, definitely... I love poor things. I love holdovers. I love both those movies. And they're so different from each other. They're so different. Yeah. Emma Stone is great in poor things. Is she, does she deserve to beat Lily Gladstone? They're completely, it's like apples either and pineapples. One, either you know? one, it's a win. You know? I, I was like, uh, speaking of biopics, the, the movie that like totally shocked me was this movie called Nyad. And like, I am not even joking for an hour. I cried while watching that movie, man. Oh like, wow, okay. okay. It's You're literally like, the only one I know who's seen it. So Anna Anna Benning is like uh and Jodie Foster are like so so insanely they sell this movie so hard and it works, at least for okay. work for me. Uh, I, but the thing is, it's so crazy that like even that was well, because that took the May December work. spots, basically. Because yeah. yeah. May December was like on the like that fifth was in that fifth slot and you know, however, however I got there, Nyad basically took it over. So good for that. That movie is made by the Free Solo people, apparently. The Free Solo documentary mm, yeah, uh, people. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's so a Solo should not debut. be Carbonite. Free Solo. <laughs> Maybe that's why Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't get an Oscar nomination. Like people, you know, it's all been focused on yeah, the Gladstone. That's a it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a great quote. That's a, that's that's a pretty stone cold quote. I mean, that's that's and it's true. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, think I mean, about like think about like mass shootings in America, right? Like yeah. every time we get like a school shooting or a mass shooting, that it's literally turned into an everyday common tragedy, and it's something that you know, even like even twenty years ago, it was like a, it would have been this huge deal. Yeah, but I, but I think yeah. like yeah, especially uh, and it's it's really difficult to talk about both of these things together because there's really not a lot of similarities. But I think that the reason why uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, I mean, like. The, two days ago, Grammys, right? Like Annie Lennox, like said nothing other than like uh, artists for ceasefire, peace in the world. That cut her literally, off. And, and not only cut her off, but like even that was construed as a hateful remark and a support of like terrorism. Uh, and it's like that's where we're at. And uh, the, the point where Killers of the Flower Moon is such an explicit like portrayal of genocide and an indictment of uh, mm -hmm. the U.S. in that in that process and like literally right. saying, hey, you are the villain here. There is no ambiguity. Zero. That's uh, why that's why I like the, the appeal to the government all the way up to Calvin Coolidge. Right. Like and you see like, oh, it's completely ineffective and they, and they don't care. Like they're yeah. just not interested. So like, again, I do have problems with the length of this movie, but I do appreciate that. Like, OK, that stuff's in there for a reason. Because again, well, it's, it's kind of just a it's a jumping off point for Jager. Jager well, hold on, hold on, hold on, because 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 yeah. otherwise it's like a curative measure. Why didn't they just go to the government? Why didn't they just blah blah? Well, they fucking did, and it didn't matter. Nobody did anything. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they didn't care back then. Sure as hell won't care now. And so, because otherwise that would, I swear, that would be everyone's takeaway. They should have just, you know, gone to the FBI, which of course would be all white people. Especially for people but. who didn't even watch <laughs> And I say that as a white with. person, but like, they would be like <laughs> call a cop. Well, oh yeah, yeah. It's that easy, huh? Wasn't, I, I remember like being on the show uh, when we talked about it. I don't know which, which movie was Marlon Brando. <laughs> Uh, when, when Marlon Brando brought, uh, you know, Little Feather. <laughs> That's oh, true, actually. Her, yes. John Wayne had to be pulled back because he was about oh, to go after yeah, her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Godfather, right? Was that when the... But, but that, yes. wasn't that the last time that a, that a Native uh, person was on the stage yeah. at the Oscars? She ended up not even being Native. I, I mean, I, I like, you know... I mean, she is ended he, up, is he, up like, not even. Scarlett Johansson's been up there. What are you talking her, about? Uh, her daughter later came out and said, uh, Sashin Littlefe- Littlefeather wasn't even a Native American. She was a white lady. No, no, I think she's fine because, like, uh, there were there were articles that were published, I feel like, uh, that addressed this issue that, like, she's somebody who is, uh, I don't know what the mechanism is, but, like, you go through the process that is a process yeah. and he and she yeah. went through it so it's technically and, and there is a big discussion uh among native culture uh, you know native people about pretendians i believe is the uh the proper term right, right, right. um yeah. and, <laughs> wow. and, oh it was her uh, sister speaking, sister. speaking of whom you know. <laughs> oh, I got, I got something uh, i just got a raid thank you jack river road jack for the raid thank oh, you thanks. welcome talking about kills the flower moon but yeah uh, no speaking, uh, speaking of whom christina you know pretendians <laughs> what's that subtitle christina i had to do elizabeth warren because i'm a white woman and i'm gonna claim i'm 164 native american tonight tonight. actually technically i am but you know (laughs) don't don't, see we're the people who are not offended by by the redskins or whatever because Mm -hmm. we're like yeah we claim one zero 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 point zero 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 one percent of native american ancestry that's the one drop roll, yeah. The the real the real mistake is not filming uh, Killers of the Flower Moon as like a nomad land type picture of Elizabeth Warren just walking in the wilderness uh, as Native Americans <laughs> get murdered, and, and uh, you know just being like, oh my god, my people. <laughs> my Here's people. the big people. This is a beautiful yeah. vista. Ma, so she gets ma, to the highway and just starts crying. Ma, Sage family, why, why, why are they doing? Here's the thing, people. I, 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 I saw all these murders. <laughs> Okay, so there's never been a better time to f- pivot to Letterbox one-liners. Letterbox is a place for film lovers who talk out within to each other about the films that they love, maybe the films that they didn't love, the films that they had snap corrections and uh, snap judgments on. And, of course, all this is uh, best expressed succinctly. Everyone's a bottom-up democracy. Everyone can have their say, not Siskels and Eberts of the world. But, of course, it's best done if you keep it pithy. Keep it pithy, as pithy as you can. And that is what this bit is. These are... The letterbox one-liners for Killers of the Flower Moon. Let's roll them. A hard one to do. I was sent down from Washington to see about these Best Actress Awards. See, see what about them? Well, see who's winning them. <laughs> <laughs> this move. I, I, I love that whole scene, though. By the way, just, just. That's a great scene. Great scene. Yes. This movie was definitely not meant to be watched on a laptop. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> or in a, or in a Discord watch party. I'm surprised I didn't think of that. If I met Marty, my first question would be approximately how strong he would say his bladder is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie definitely could have used it in remission. My um, my bladder was strong. My bladder is never strong. 
The I just strong I, with this one. I took a break. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can't do that. It's harder to do it in a movie theater. Took a bath while watching this and got really overheated. And I thought I hallucinated Brendan Fraser for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it is wild disruptive, though. He's like, and what a He's also still uh, he still has the whale weight on. Right, right, right. Yeah, so yeah. somebody in the in the Discord said it was a Brendan Fraser jump scare, and that's, that's kind of caught on. So. Yeah, you're telling me a TikTok influencer made this? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Director who? He's a TikTok influencer, Marty Scorsese. That's right. How to kill the evening mood? Three point five hours of nefarious bastards systemically leeching off an independently wealthy dying culture. There we go. Oh man. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to have sex after that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would Leo, know. I'm built different. <laughs> Leo, uh, Leo didn't think so in this, you know. Yeah, oh, oh God! No way. <laughs> oh, fuck! God damn! <laughs> <laughs> All right, take a breath. Look, it was, we... it, was, it was hard because she's not 25, but that's that's <sighs> the real. That's the okay. All right, there it is. There it is. Look, if we need to continue making $200 million movies to get Lily Gladstone an Oscar, I'm all for it. Huh? Let's well, do it, yeah. I mean, ready. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Probably hit a record for the amount of times I said, man, <laughs> fuck this guy in three hours. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like how, I like how both uh, De Niro and Leo get the fuck this guy throughout this whole movie. Like yeah, yeah. Everybody, they're every guy. Also, I like how Leo, all of Leo's side deals in this, like, go awry. He's like, oh, I got a side deal for you. I'll, I'll like, you can, you can steal terrible. my the first car in the city. And, like, nobody will notice that you stole the car. Like, it's like it's always sunny in Philadelphia level schemes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah. tragedy instead right, of because, oh, like, oh, like you have that great speech at the beginning of, like, you know, uh, if you're going to do it, do it big, you know? And instead, he's yeah. like, you know, Doing these small time hustles. Small time hustles. The gang hustles. commits genocide. But, I was gonna say, <laughs> wow. Oh, I was gonna yes. say the gang exploits wow. oil wealth. Oh, I went nah, a too far. The, the, too dark. I think Christina wins. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Leo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro make grumpy cat faces at each other for three and a half hours. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's true. Face, though. That's what yeah. it really is. <laughs> Which is funny because you have like when the back rap is like literally when the only times are both smiling. <laughs> yeah. And, and the funny thing is they, they even got uh, uh Barry Corbin to look like Wilford Brimley to, to, to be the extra grumpy cat. Exactly. Mm -hmm. There must be it's a rule of three. Diabetes. Yes. I hope the first person to watch this on tick as TikTok clips gets hit by a car. Oh, imagine I've how many seen imagine that. how many TikTok clips this would be though. Like do you know how many Oppenheimer and Barbie clips? And there's even like clips of like people are watching the whole Shameless series on uh, TikTok right now. I, I I remember at one point uh, someone wanted to see if they could exploit Twitter's new thing where Elon like lets people put up longer videos. They put up the entirety of Oppenheimer one day when it was still in the movie theater and nobody took it down. Because yeah. nobody do yeah. that anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. So those are the Letterboxd one-liners for Killers of the Flower Moon. Please, please, please follow us on our Letterboxd HQ account, at Movie Night Extra, where we're logging all of the many episodes that we do of this show, as well as uh, all the bonus content, uh, extra features, and things along those lines. You can read all about it there. Your host, ugh, at Always Flacco, Children of the Middle Water. He's logging everything that we do in this show and uh, everything else as well. You can follow him. He's on thing, people. <laughs> On lot letterbox. That should be Christine. Christina should be the one that is able to do that. That's her. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Uh, I'm at Kuna Neutron, aka the Wolf in the Picture. 
please follow me for the highbrow, the middlebrow, the populist fair as well. Uh, the Criterion Challenge 2024, uh, full steam ahead on that. Film School Dropouts doing all that. Follow me along for all those things. J. Andrew World, Wakanta forever, really. <laughs> I wasn't gonna make that joke like uh, with my voice. I was just, you know. Yeah, yeah. So just make so me the, do it. <laughs> I, I see the way you are. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh -huh. At right about now too is watching all the weirdest stuff, so you don't have to. Maybe see so you can't. Is your Doctor Who journey still going on? Or are you still logging? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I uh, just started watching Robot, the uh, first serial of the fourth oh, yeah. Doctor. I've got the um, novelization of that actually. Yeah, no, it's it's a fun episode. I mean, you know. Um, and the letterbox lets him do that. So yes. go go follow him if you want to hear about classic Doctor Who serials. He's doing all that. Also watching a bunch of other weird stuff. Uh, Christina, aka Elizabeth Warren, down there at mm -hmm. um Christina. It's on Letterboxd uh, when she chooses to be and yeah. uh, logging logging things here and there. And uh, you can find out all about whatever is on her mind there. Uh, Karthik, what is your letterbox handle you are on there and you are logging yeah stuff, i should have I written write my name uh before i came in but like it's basically my name k-r-t-h-i-k-p-u-r-u-91 and that's usually my <laughs> handle like on uh twitter letterbox everywhere P yeah it is okay all right there you go that makes sense yeah you just, just, and, just uh, ran with it huh <laughs> <laughs> it was the 91st it also was the year punk broke too so. <laughs> yeah it's a great documentary. Thank you. I say it was also the, the the fall of the Soviet Union and a bunch of things like it was the yeah. it was the turn of the end of the end of history as uh, Fukuyama called it. So I was I was born in the year the history ended. So. so before we go to the plugs, I think we're gonna we have we have our sponsor that we want to throw to right Forrest. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Yebiga, a Balkan Rakia spirit plum brandy that brings Serbia to the American shores in an authentic and appreciative way care of billy gould basis for faith no more and rakia appreciator rakia is a traditional spirit enjoyed at weddings funerals and life events however more and more it's being enjoyed everywhere on a night out with friends or as a casual drink get a bottle today in liquor stores and bars across america go to yabiga.com to see where it's available near you I, I always am just my name for usernames, but at Rakia Appreciator would be a great username for something. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really good. <laughs> or just like for like for like the most racist Serbian guy you've ever encountered on Twitter. Oh, but he appreciates Rakia though. Yeah. <laughs> so all of his takes are too terrible if that's the case. I do um, I, I love his uh I love his uh Rakia takes, but the rest of it rest of it. Not so great as it turns out. Really, really big into genocide. Jay and World, please take us with the plugs. That's your right. reason. You're right. If you're watching this right now on YouTube, <laughs> please do those YouTube things like, comment, subscribe, uh, hit the bell. And of course, the big ask we, we do for everybody is watch the video to the end. That allows other movie fans to find our content, uh, but also allows you to hear that great Conan Neutron song that uh, we play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're also, uh, if you're watching us over on Twitch, do the Twitch things. Throw us a sub. If you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe to our channel for free. does not cost you a penny, but it actually really helps out the channel. So um, if you are able to do any of that stuff, um, please, uh, please, please, please do uh, do that. Um, follow us on social media. You can find us on uh, Twitter, Blue Sky, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Truth Social, and... <laughs> If I, I was saying I'd like to have like a game show where you get a correct answer and then a, you know so that would be like a, everything else but ding ding yes I have a soundboard yeah yeah well, well maybe, maybe threads threads. threads that was what I was trying to think of it yeah. social came out <laughs> what's that what you jumped in? 
<laughs> but yeah, if if you um uh yeah if, that, if you happen to you know you don't have to follow you know if you're not using any of those well you're proud to be using one of them i imagine just just find us on whichever one you prefer and, and uh say hi which we do appreciate yeah, yeah. that because we, we always do. enjoy hello hello we always enjoy hearing people say hello for to us we have a discord <laughs> rocky there. appreciator 6969 <laughs> could be 420 69 too that's also yeah good. yeah that works uh, we have a discord uh we the do. discord is is a lot of fun um uh i i know i have a movie beam i forgot to post but you know we, <laughs> how dare you i know i know uh but it was great too and i can't remember what i did with it um but anyways yeah there, there we are we have a discord find us there like us there uh join in the conversation we we have fun over there join the watch parties oh yeah watch parties every monday monday monday, <laughs> monday afternoon, afternoon right yes, yes. What's next, Christina? On that, uh, I think we're gonna. I, I, I'm, I'm, ca I'm cat sitting, so I won't really be able to do past lives like a stream between now and Friday holdovers. From, then, yeah, holdovers, holdovers will be okay. next, there, uh, which is good. A lot of people haven't seen that, so there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun film. No, it's not. I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, I like that you had an opinion, even though you hadn't seen it. You're a good white man. You yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I really do want to see it, and uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to uh, not be on that episode. Uh, no, I'm. <laughs> I, but I'll miss everybody, so, and I wish. So I that's could, it. Uh, but we have watch parties in the Discord now, and so uh, some people. And they're and, pretty much a success. Yeah, I think some people in the chat have been hanging out on those, and uh, they they seem to be a pretty good time. Mm -hmm. uh, Stevie uh, bringing up Billy Gold was also the MC5 RIP Wayne Kramer, RIP Wayne Kramer indeed. I got to see Billy uh, with uh, Wayne. It was freaking awesome it was a great show with uh, also my friend brendan cantia fugazi on drums too wow um yeah it was an all-star and uh kim thiel from uh soundgarden yeah uh, <laughs> it's a pretty cool tour <laughs> and meanwhile like, like wayne kramer was dog. was up there like uh ruling the stage like he was like 25 and it was like oh, that guy's like as old as my dad crazy crazy man r.i.p wayne kramer that's a yes that's a real loss he was a revolutionary and a rock and roll powerhouse and jail guitar, guitar jail guitar doors is an incredible charity which and, and of course a comrade too yes 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 um, him and robin hitchcock founded that and it's a it's, it's a really cool organization uh but uh, we have a patreon you know so if you want to help out this really cool organization um that's <laughs> great great segue <laughs> yes um <laughs> you can find us over there if you what want to give us money instead of instruments to prisoners <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I didn't set you up for a win on that one. So. <laughs> oh, you didn't. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you should you should actually donate to uh, you know both uh, if you can. Yeah. Um, Patreon's a lot cheaper. So. Yes, uh, but, I can't but uh, any instruments. Just one nice thing about the uh, Patreon is you get access <laughs> to our after parties forever. So like all of our our great uh, content that uh, people can't normally get access to, you can get access to by joining our Patreon. And we're doing a thing uh, in the after parties for the next like six weeks, five, six weeks, whatever. Right, Christina? Yes. Are you going to tell the people what it is or it has to be a surprise? Mm. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Here's the thing people. We want to hear the Oscar picks of people in the circle of yeah. this show. That's right. So we're going to do a uh, is going to win slash should win. Uh, mm -hmm. kind of kind of uh, scenario and then we're gonna and by we i mean probably me gonna calculate all that at the end and, and tell you what uh 
the thoughts of the community are. So there you go. Yeah, so stick around for the after party. Well, I believe well. Karthik is you're, you're coming on for that this time, right? When's set? Right like after a, the we like finished. The, oh, yeah. Like in about ten minutes. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we're gonna have the plugs whenever we're done. Yeah, yeah. But a half hour. Who am I kidding? <laughs> we'll still be in the plugs. Yeah. <laughs> What's that, Sandy? All right, it's you because you've been front there, sitting there, showing off Protonic reversal behind your head, um, which is a great show and you've had some amazing guests that just been on there yes um, recently i just had a falco from our, tour, our upcoming tour with mccluskey upcoming ed tour falco mates. uh not ed falco no no uh, falco from mccluskey future to left christian fitness yeah, that episode, always falco that's a, always falco. <laughs> some great username humor uh that that is now up in the free feeds as of this afternoon uh still patron only John Wright from No Means No uh, with Jason Lamb, the No Means No biographer. They did a joint appearance. And then Jay Robbins of Jawbox uh, coming up on uh, Thursday. It's, he hasn't been on the show in a while, but uh, that should that should be a good one as well. And then Steve Turner of Mud Hunting. Uh, oh, nice wow. Week. So, yeah. Amazing. Keeping busy over the old Protonic Farm. Yeah. And, and I mean, Jay Robbins is also going to be one of the, uh, the headliners at uh, Catterwall. That's true. Yeah, the, the Jay Robbins band is playing Catterwall, which is, uh, of course, a four-day festival in Minneapolis, uh, 24th to the 27th of May. Four-day pass is available now. Brainiac's playing, uh, Oxbow, Part Chimp, all, all kinds of bands. Uh, we also have a I, – I should mention the reason why – general feed for Protonic, there's a Patreon, $1 a month, advanced access. Yeah, I, I've uh, realized as soon as I said that. Uh, great segue. Uh, that yeah, I forgot I'm, I'm broke, so, yeah, join it, please. Thank you. <laughs> like everyone else here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you also want to help out Conan by giving him more money, uh, getting access to his music, uh, yes. go to neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. That is his band, uh, Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Yes. Uh, hence the reason why it says Neutron Friends. It's right there in the URL. It's great. Um, but you can get his new album, Adult Prom, as well as, uh, you know, Dangerous Nomenclature um, and, and a bunch of other ones that I don't have. Off the top of my head. Yeah, Art of Murder, Dark Passengers. There, there's a bunch of records. We have a new T-shirt design coming. Mm. Uh, we'll have it in time for tour in March, but I don't, I don't know what that means for mail order yet. We might, might just be see how many we sell on the tour and then whatever's left over afterwards. But uh, people have been asking about that. So, yeah, the Etsy store continues. Excellent. And, and of course, you know, uh, West Coast store. I know a few of the dates are, are uh, out there. San Francisco and Los Angeles with McCluskey, uh, 4th and 5th of March, uh, respectively. And we're playing Bakersfield on the 3rd. 2nd is not confirmed. Then we have a bunch of stuff in May that I'm actually going to be able to reveal uh, next week. So, ton of stuff. That's all Midwest stuff. Terrific. Um, I think that's everything for you, right? <laughs> enough yeah <laughs> oh I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be doing a uh, regular series with jason miles this is revolution uh on, uh, for, about music i forget, I forget damn what, you're busy i forget what we're calling <laughs> what we're gonna start doing it might even be this week i don't know it's it's not it's <laughs> next week but looking forward to that that'll be good all right so stay tuned for that people uh you know that, that sounds exciting i can't wait to tune yeah, in if, you, if you haven't fallen asleep already stay tuned for that <laughs> <laughs> just don't, don't go to sleep with me now what i'm unemployed what do you want from me you know? yeah <laughs> And uh, Christina is over there streaming on Twitch. Yep. Um, I know you've been. Uh, Please getting... call her by her native name, Elizabeth Warren. Thank yes. you. <laughs> so, sorry, oh, God. Um... <laughs> uh... <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Not sorry. 
No. Uh, was there anything that was going on this week that, that, that you're uh, covering? Uh, well, I'm pretty. I'm going to be covering a lot of the uh, UNRWA stuff that's been going on because apparently they're not connected to Hamas. I mean, who to thunk? Um, the border stuff. Uh, UN Hamas. The media, New York Times, Hamas. Yes, uh, everyone's Africa, Hamas. The entire country, Hamas. The ICJ, Hamas. It's just all Hamas. Yeah, and I think I'm, I believe this Thursday I'm going to be on the Power Report with Dan from the Web because I help I co-host every other Thursdays now. Oh, who is coming on uh, soon enough? I don't know. Yes, <laughs> he's coming back on with his, with his partner. Uh, Bam! So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we've actually worked out the date. Yeah, we and have not. And I realize that just as I start that sentence, I'm like, oh, I don't actually know when that's going to be. Yet, but. <laughs> uh, but but if you want to support Christina, she has a uh, Patreon as well. It's uh, mm -hmm. Patreon.com/slash/Cosmopolitics. Yep, and uh, head over there, and uh, you know, or sub on her Twitch right now if you're uh, watching. Yeah, if 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 you don't want to shill out the four ninety nine for uh for Twitch, a dollar on Patreon. There you go. There One you go. dollar. Yeah. One dollar hair. And uh, Karthik, I don't know if we actually have. Uh, I we didn't talk about plugs before the show because. Uh, <laughs> Why no, would actually, we do I feel like. I think, like uh, I wanted to say, um, uh, Forrest, like I don't know if you, if it was you who put together the the intro video, but I thought that was like really thoughtful. That like you really, you know, I, I don't really have anything active going on. I, I kind of have been off podcasting for a while, uh, especially after Revolutionary Tracks. But I feel like uh, what I'm trying to get into more of like doing like creative projects and like putting music out and uh so on and like seeing how that how that works and like working on that for a while as i like you know hold down a IRL job so to say um and uh you know just keep doing that and like see if i'm actually able to sustain it um i am like you know i also like miss interviewing uh which i really enjoy uh and uh you know i also like miss being on the panel uh, I had a great which, time when I was on Revolutionary Tracks with you, man. That was great. Yeah, was yeah. Great. No, like, I love, like, doing the conversations that are, like, real deep dives into, like, culture and, like, you know, uh, that, are, that are, like, also talking about the music business and, like, sorry, movie business. The the business aspect of it, which I feel like is the material side that really doesn't get covered Carthic on this, like, I talk about. Sorry, what? <laughs> no, nah, not the business, business but, like, the, the, material, the material aspect of it, which is that, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, even and I remember like this is so fascinating that even now, uh, like Ava DuVernay, we we talked about her like briefly in the beginning, but uh, she had this uh, comment uh, about how like you know you could make a movie like Christopher Nolan, or, or you could you can you, you can compromise on like the visual aspect and make a movie like me or something along those lines. Like she said something like slightly mm. you know provocative. She's like, oh yeah, I could, I could like, you know, try to get every little detail that I want in a movie, like Christopher Nolan does, or I could try to get the movie made, etc. Which I think is like, I feel like on the one hand, yeah, it's a, it's a flippant statement. Like she's kind of making it seem as if like movies are, uh, you know, just like about delivering a political agenda. But on the other hand, like you know, the, just the idea of what movies get made. Uh, I think like even a movie like Killers of the Flower Moon, I feel like bringing it all the way back. Um, like it was talked about as like it's a flop it didn't really make money so why would you make it um i think like it's it's really important to talk about the the material aspects and the financial aspects of art 
because yeah. we're just getting the studio cookie cutter version of it and we need to be aware of that and i feel like that i miss being in that in that space of like yeah. talking to people from that so so if you're hiring right now karthik is available is what we're saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh karthik do you have some final thoughts to add into this to add into the mix Oh yeah, no. I mean, Lily Gladstone. If she's watching, uh, if you're watching, I <laughs> have like. A, oh she's yeah, a friend, yeah, she I is literally a, a friend of a friend. I mean, it's possible. I have, I have a, I have a really cool uh, rom com idea uh, called <laughs> called Dots and Feathers that uh, I I want to pitch, <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, uh, I, I'm gonna like Woody Allen this thing, uh, by which I'm not saying that I'm gonna do anything inappropriate with an Andre. <laughs> She was, actually he was an Indian the, from America. <laughs> he was an Indian from India. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and like do it and do it like in Manhattan. So you know, I respect <laughs> the hustle. That's that's a that's a bold pitch. <laughs> dots, dots and feathers. <laughs> dots yes. and feathers. <laughs> yes. Good title. But uh, but it's, it's gonna be the it's gonna be yeah. the new Notting Hill. Like she's gonna be the <laughs> Julia Roberts <laughs> Notting Hill character, and I'm gonna be the and I'm gonna be the guy who runs the bookstore. Man, fair. I'd be the pot dealer or something like that, you know. I don't know, Indian pot dealer, or something. <laughs> Look, Indians can be DJs too, okay? That's all yes, we're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen Harold you Kumar. Got, yeah, you got. I was gonna say you got Harold. <laughs> uh, I've been to enough Vaishas to know. <laughs> but, but Christina, do you have some final thoughts? Yes, uh, Lily Gladstone, prepare your Oscar speech. <laughs> yeah, she really kills it. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, this is this is illegal. That stone's year, um, and if if she doesn't win, we will we will riot. Um, and I, I believe everybody on this panel will just agree with me without actually saying that. Uh, yeah, we're going to be burning shit down too. Uh, so so yeah, we're just, we um, save that for our Discord. Yeah, yeah. Now <laughs> we have one. We 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 do the plotting there. Yes. <laughs> so um, you better join to see what we're up to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I know the fbi uh, you know cia fbi yeah, nsa watching right now uh yeah, yeah. please do rocky i appreciate her 420 yeah <laughs> yes uh, see, I got, uh, FBI agent watching me i see but, you hey yo <laughs> and thank you thank you so much for for uh you know uh getting that book written so this movie could be made um <laughs> there you go but uh, no um this this is definitely like like uh, an incredible performance and and uh I think that's truly like like the thing about this movie that that um, uh, people will, will take away from it. That and it did have a Pete Yorn rock star uh, as uh, one of the characters, and it was kind of fun to see him in there because uh, I remember I went through a Pete Yorn phase in the, the early two thousands. Um, Doug his music. All right, uh, he did, he did a cover <laughs> of the Vicious Minds. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Conan, final thoughts. Yeah, uh, winding serpentine and a great representation of the corruption of the human soul and the more or less endless crimes done against native peoples in the u.s uh it mentioned it in the text of the show but somehow more impressed with lily gladstone's performance here uh the talent that she displays is it, it would work as a silent film it would work in the 1940s mm. it, would, it would work you know like it's it's incredible that's hard that's you can't say that about many performances now mm -hmm. uh, the, the film craft here is phenomenal I do kind of wonder if the film would have more cachet and influence among normies if it had been in like a prestige streaming series format. Uh, but I do like the movie. It doesn't ever lose focus. 
I do have a little bit of troubles with the pacing sometimes, but I think it's a well-done rumination on integrity and this slow creep towards criminality, right? It's a slow burn of evil sociopathy. And it's an incredibly worthwhile piece of art and an important message. And uh, it's, a, it's a good one to kick this, uh, this month off with, I think. So there's a there's a much older version of uh, the same story, but it's focusing on the FBI, and it's a movie called The FBI Story, and it starts <laughs> fucking it stars Jimmy Stewart as a as a wow. an FBI agent who cracks the case. <laughs> that that doesn't sound nearly as good. And it has <laughs> and it does not. I don't think it has like it has like uh you know it has some Osage some white people. <laughs> Although I do like like Jimmy Stewart's an anatomy of a, of a murder. I, 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 now I have a because Anatomy of a Fall. I I kind of want to second guess myself, but Anatomy of a Murder. He's he's great in that. And he's like it's not like it's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart either. Like he's he's <laughs> interesting character. So he, he, the guy's got range. I'm just saying that doesn't sound as interesting to me. I, I I think Scorsese did the right move with not centering the FBI piece of it. I mean, it's literally a uh, an FBI propaganda film. It has Jagger Hoover in it. Right. Well, and I appreciate they did the Planet of the Apes <laughs> with the title, the FBI story. <laughs> Oh, what's this picture about? What's, what do you fucking think it's about? <laughs> <laughs> it's a story of the goddamn FBI. Oh, yeah. Does Rocket oh, Raccoon show oh, up? No, oh, probably not. Oh, geez. It's it's the goddamn FBI. Oh, open up. Open up. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we got a uh, after party to go to. So let's, let's head over there. I sent the link into the private chat. 